All right, welcome back to the Island Air Podcast, guys. I'm your host, Freyway, and I'm here with my co-host, Kenny. Roar, roar, I'm a dungeon dragon. <laughs> and today we are talking about House of the Dragon Season 1. Uh, this was an amazing fucking show, and I'm so excited that we finally get to discuss it again. We did an episode one review just to kind of project where we thought the show was going, how it felt, how it captured the Game of Thrones essence and things like that, and what it did well. And episode one still stands as one of the best episodes of the 10. I think uh, for me personally, we're going to talk about this as a whole and jump around all, all over the place. So if you know, if you if you yeah, it's not going to be formatted like a review, we're just going to be talking about. Yeah, like stuff. this is just be our thoughts. But for me, episode Episode 7, I think, is the best episode of this season. I think that it's going to continue to age really well. Episode 7, if you're wondering if you're not like a fanatic as I am, Episode 7 was the funeral of Lena Targaryen. That's how it opened. And then it ended with Rhaenyra versus Alicent, where Alicent actually slashed Rhaenyra and that whole line about now they see you for who you are. I think that that episode has zero bad scenes from start to finish. It is a perfect episode in every way. That episode was fucking insane. And then at the end, when the writers did that little thing where they say inside the episode, they tell you how they shot it, how they directed it. One of the writers said, we actually recorded this episode first. When the, when the characters didn't know each other, like when the actors did not know each other because we wanted to make it awkward. So they're not familiar with each other. They're not friends yet. And funerals mm. are often very uncomfortable and very awkward sometimes because you see family members that you haven't That's seen cool. in years. Yes, I found this to be insane, by the way. Like that thought never even crossed my mind to do something like that. Like to write a, a show and say episode seven will be recorded first. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. That episode was real. I mean, the tension from episode seven onward was also oh really good. God. Like, I think every episode, I mean, all the episodes were good. I don't think yes. there was a bad episode in the season. I but do have one episode that I did not like uh, personally. One? It's episode six. So episode six is the 10 year time skip is when you finally get older and okay. older Allison. That episode seemed a bit all over the place. That was when Lena like went and Dracarist herself. Um, she, yeah, it was just kind of all over the place to me like i didn't understand damon being in pentos for a while and like he just was kind of i don't know it is it is a jarring episode i know yes so i was watching it um with my girlfriend and we were watching it together and she didn't even realize it was the future at first like we're watching it and i was like oh no this is the future she's like no it's not i was like i'm telling you that's you know renera and she, and she was like, but look at Kristen Cole. He looks the same. Yes. So can we talk about that real quick? Because I only do have one gripe with the show, honestly. My one gripe with season one of House of the Dragon is just the time skips. They're very jarring because there's one almost every single episode up until episode like eight. Like there's a time yeah. skip in every episode until I think the last, like the characters you have from seven, eight, nine and ten are the same. But every episode before seven is a time skip. Like literally every single one yeah, is a time skip. There's a lot. And it's weird and it's jarring. I get it. Cause right, they were just trying to essentially set the stage. It's interesting when you think about the fact that the entire first season of a show is yep. the prologue. Yes. Which is like, really cool though. I don't mind yeah. that at all. It's just that a lot of people right now are doing the thing that we knew they were gonna do. They're comparing House of the Dragon season one to Game of Thrones season one, which I think is a mistake because they're actually so different, even though they're in the same verse. They're very different because in Game of Thrones season one, you get the characters and they stay those characters and there's no time skips. Like yeah. it starts with Ned and then Ned gets killed episode that's, nine. And it just like, those are the characters. That's the thing. Like I, I know, I know a lot of people at starting at episode six. I know people had gripes with it. 
Um, yes, because they switched the characters. People were like, oh, they switched the characters. Really, and- stay Rhaenyra forever. They should just age her up with CG and makeup. And I'm like, that's unreasonable. She's supposed to be 39, 40 years old at some point and yeah. having all these children. Eventually, her children are going to be adults too. Like, there's no yeah, the, way. That actor is, she's what? Fucking 20, 22? 22, like she's, yeah. Yeah. So, but I know. And something I had to, like, I was talking to one of my friends was about is they were like, oh, I just don't feel connected to the characters anymore. And I was like, yeah, but that's because, like, this, you've spent five episodes with these actors. Yes. And so now this is the first episode without those actors. 15 episodes from now, you're not going to feel that. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, it's, not, you just got to get readjusted to, yeah. the, to the new actors. Not only that, but let's be honest, because I think people just are prisoners of the moment. And this is something that all humans suffer from to a degree. Game of Thrones season one, everyone who watched it, you weren't immediately connected to those characters either. Like, oh, no, you less- were. That's the thing. Season one, I think season one of Game of Thrones is really fucking good. But when I watched, like, when I watched season one, I was like, holy shit, that was great. But at the time when I watched it, I wasn't saying this is the greatest show on the planet. At all, bro. I wasn't at saying all. that yet. I so it's still really that. good. In hindsight, it's even better. Yes. But. I don't think, objectively speaking, if you compare season one Game of Thrones to season one House of the Dragon, I don't think season one Game of Thrones is that much better, if better at all. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, the only thing I don't want to do is I don't want to say one is better than the other because it's just yeah, too yeah. soon, and I don't want to be a prisoner at the moment. I would like to maybe one day, not one day, but like one week, watch both seasons and then yeah. say how I feel after I watch both seasons, but like it's too not you realizing there's only twenty hours in a day. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that like I that would be wild, right? Like I spent twenty hours of a day just yeah. watching both the shows, and I could do it because I've done it with Monster Hunter, so I totally could you do could, it. Good, but it's like it's shit. it's, it's kind of wild though. Anyways, I don't want to compare them yet because I just don't want to say things that are wild. While I love House of the Dragon because I just saw it, it's fresh. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. New. No, that's it's, true. It, it's the cool new toy. That's what I'm saying too. Is like, you know, I'm not saying one is better than the other. That's why the, the stance I've taken. Uh, I don't remember who I said this to. The stance I've taken at the moment is that out of the now nine seasons of Game of Thrones, yeah, I can comfortably put this in my top five or four oh, seasons. One hundred percent, though. Like I can this comfortably is, put it in my top five or four. This is definitely in the top like three seasons of a Game of Thrones for me. Top five for you, whatever it is, it's in your top. Yeah. Like it's in the top, uh, yeah. whatever for your me, top I, is. For me, I think top four. And the only reason why I'm going top four is like that doesn't mean it's number four. That just means that's. With it being so new, that's where I can comfortably yes. put it Yes. W- before I put age on it. And I think that top four makes sense anyway because there's nine. And so four yeah. out, like out of nine is actually the top of it. And then five would be where it starts to go to like the bottom. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Like five being the middle or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I totally I totally get it. I, I don't want to do those comparisons yet. I, like I said, I think it's too fresh. But I think that this is a very, very good season of television in general. I think it did so many things really well. The acting... From all of the actors, I think pretty much everyone was just really amazing. Now, you know, childhood actors, when I say childhood, I'm talking about the young children. They're always yeah, going to yeah. be a little shit. Like, they're like, but even that, I don't think they were terrible. They weren't terrible, but I'll be honest. They're, they're, I mean, they're not as good as like Damon's actors. They're, <laughs> they're not as good as young Rhaenyra, like, you know, yeah, Rhaenyra yeah, Alcock. Yeah. they're not as good as Olivia or whatever her name is that plays uh, Allison. Um, they're not as good as those actors i'm talking about the children so the children specifically from episode seven i had that fight with young Eamon. like that fight scene 
was yeah, children. Yeah, yeah. Like it was a bunch of child actors, and it's still a yeah. good scene. Like I still like the scene because it just shows you how fast without any adults around, how things can escalate. And I've experienced that myself where I personally have like wrestled around my younger cousins, fucking did wrestling moves on them. Literally, I would do a tombstone pile driver or hmm. uh, the long ride to hell or whatever it was called, like all the undertaker moves. I would do the pedigree on them. Like I would fuck them up and they would get hurt. They would get genuinely yeah. hurt. There were no adults around. And then they would start crying. Obviously, I would get anxiety from them crying and thinking like, oh God, I'm going to get my ass whipped because these I, kids dude, are going to tell on I me. I love I miss this, man. At some point, at some point, this is why getting old sucks. It's not just, it's not just like your perspective. It's like you literally can't do things anymore. Yes. Example. I remember, and I love and miss this, right? But I remember like you're younger, let's say, you know, teenager, you're 15. I don't fucking know. Some people would argue 15 is too old, but fuck it. You're 15. You're wrestling with like your 10 year old cousins or whatever. Right. And then you hurt them and they start crying. And so immediately you like get down on your knees like, da, 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 oh, and you like you like, sure. you try to like calm them down yes, you try to get them to stop crying because you understand yeah, 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 yeah. there's trouble and, on a foot and so like, oh, da, 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 no 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 here 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 hit me hit me go ahead here hit oh, me and like man, you did that too the hit me yeah yeah oh, yeah the yeah hit me you just so good yeah they you go, go okay, here here every time yeah and they go and they like they they pout a little bit and they and they try to smack you as hard as they can and you be like come on again again get one more get one more go ahead yeah go ahead you can get one more oh man that one hurt because you know if your dad or your mom get to you it's gonna be way fucking worse those days were awesome and then another thing just to like kind of parallel it i remember like for example one of my favorite games growing up is tag or and variations of tag not specifically the normal tag but all the variations of it and when I used to play that, we used to go hard. Like, we would run through people's backyards, climb on top of houses and shit. I'm fucking 30 years old. I can't run through someone's backyard. I'm going to get arrested. Like, I, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that goes back to what you were saying. You literally can't do certain things anymore. Yeah, I literally can't do Like, it's not that I'm old and tired. It's like, I'll go play tag right now, but I'll get arrested. Like, yes. I can't. It would be strange if you were chasing a little, a bunch of little kids around the neighborhood. Yeah. So. Talk about your. Area. Anyway. Yeah, but, so the, but you know, that scene was good. Yes, the scene is good itself. But obviously, when you see people like Patty playing uh, Viserys and you see Otto Hightower's actor, those guys are in a fucking league of their own. Like Matt Smith as Damon, uh, Viserys, Otto. Like these, these guys, they're in their own fucking world when it comes to acting. They're insane. I just want to say, the progr- first of all, okay, the progression of the king King Viserys. Yes. He starts off normal. He's sick, Very blah, normal. blah, blah. Um, oh, by the way, I don't remember if I said it on the podcast or not, or it might have, it was either on the podcast or the stream, but this was early on the season and we were throwing theories around. My initial theory was grayscale. And then my next theory after, cause like after we saw it a bit more, it was like kind of obvious it wasn't grayscale. My yeah. next theory was that it was leprosy. And then like weeks later, somebody hit me up and said that either in the books or something, but somebody's told me that it actually is leprosy. I don't think it ever gets called by name, but I think maybe George said in an interview. It get, uh, Viserys' actor said it. Petty Constantine said it. Um, okay, well then he, yeah. But uh, I thought that was cool. But anyway, that, that doesn't matter. I didn't um, know what leprosy was until this show made me kind of oh, go and look man. into it. I, had no I knew what leprosy was. was because I... It's in a Bible. I remember, yes, it's in the Bible, which, and, and I mean, you went to Catholic school too, but yes. I remember... My first six years of school was in, I think it was six, was Catholic school. And that was when I learned what leprosy was because you hear about it a lot and like you try to look into it. Um, and that shit is fucking scary. Like, the one thing I that's a about real life disease and it is scary. The one thing I remember about it was the Joker in the Dark Knight saying, they'll cast you out like a leper. Yeah. Like he was, yeah, talk, yeah. He was talking to, uh, 
was it what's the guy who becomes two face um, his name uh what's his name uh, harvey dent harvey, harvey dent. dent yeah he's talking about he's like they'll cash how about <laughs> did you ever see the um a really old because rugrats right and they're their kids they're babies and they and I remember there's an episode of Rugrats where they call it Leopard C. And I feel like there's a lot of people like oh, yes. and they said like the same thing. They're like, they'll cast you out like a leopard. And like they were like, What's a leopard C? And they call you get like a bunch of spots on you or something. Oh, like, I love Rugrats, man. The way they just completely misinterpret everything is so innocent and cool at the same time. Leopard yeah. C. So uh but to the point of the king. The progression throughout the episodes. So this is something that was cool about the time skips. Is like they you get to see as a way to tell. Oh my god! What time you see, you're like holy shit. Yes. As the episodes went on, he looked more and more like a fucking White Walker, like a ghoul. And then, yes. And, <laughs> a white but Walker, yes. dude, in the in the I think it's the last episode he's alive, or maybe it's the second to last episode he's alive. Um, when he is completely done, when you see like his eye goes all the way through the back of his head. There's a part where like he has the crown on and like an eye. He looked like a fucking Yu-Gi-Oh card. Like he, he looked cool insane. Yeah, like and when he was like, like he looked like a dark sorcerer yes. warlock. Like he looked insane the way he was like coming in and he was like fucking Bro, all fucked my, up so that's and wooly. Dude, that's, he was insane. Everyone looking. is saying that he's going to win an Emmy for episode eight. That that performance that he gave, I'll sit the Iron Throne today. That is one of the fucking best scenes in oh, all of Game and that of Thrones. Fucking snake Otto. Oh like, my god! So I, remember episode one? I was like, I'm not sure where Otto's. He's like, a snake, dude. But we finally got an answer. Otto is a hundred percent a villain. Like if you're choosing sides, and I know some people are yeah. some for some weird reason, some people are Team Green, and that's fine. No you way. could be you could be fucking weird and be on Team Green if you want. But no like, way, dude. I'm Team Black because not only is the Team show, Black all day. The show Specifically black and red, because they fucking, I think it was episode 9 or 10, I think it's 10, when they say they're, uh, the ships are sailing in, they're flying a three-headed green dragon. I was like, oh, fuck that. Yeah. Come on, bro. You guys aren't Targaryen. Don't try to change. The Targaryen logo is black yeah. and a three-headed red dragon. It wouldn't even look as cool in green. The fact that they try to bring in a green, like they made it a green dragon, like they know what they are as fucking snakes. Now that said, Allison is like, She's like a prisoner of circumstance. She's still playing the game, but then she's also like, you can tell she's a prisoner of circumstance. That doesn't 100% absolve the plans and stuff she's going along with, but you also see that like, you know, she's she's being pulled in a different direction as well. Yes, yeah, so I want to say this cuz there's so much to talk about uh with There Hansen is, there is. there's a lot. Uh and one of the things that I want to make sure that we don't miss is every character is actually pretty complex. All, yes. of, yeah, all yeah, the main yeah, yeah. characters are complex, which is why I really appreciate these 10 episodes that are all exist as a prologue to the Dance of the Dragons. Like, for people who don't know, uh, the Dance of the Dragons officially started episode 10, like when the first blood was drawn. Uh, up, until that, up until that point, everything was just still... Uh, war, you know, negotiations, conversations going back and forth, Ravens flying back and forth, you know, here are my terms, here are your terms, you know, all of that. It was still negotiation time, but obviously with episode 10's ending, uh, this is the beginning of the Dance of the Dragon. So everything you saw from episodes 1 through 10 essentially was the prologue. And in this prologue, you get a lot of character development. So there are people who said, oh, this show's so slow. And it's a snooze fest. I saw... So no, fucking no, frustrating when people say shit like no, that. I agree. That's what made Game of Thrones good. The reason why you and everybody else think season seven and eight are bad is because it wasn't slow. Yes. That's why Honestly, it's bad. Yes. Like in a weird way to say, 
Because slow is technically used as a derogatory term. It's usually but, used derogatory, but, but that's mo- why it was... In this, oh, in this instance, in the, ter- in, in, in the sense of Game of Thrones, slow is actually so good for the show. Like, season two of Game of Thrones is honestly still... I don't know where to place it exactly, but it's still one of my absolute favorite seasons of Game of Thrones because it just has Tywin and Arya existing together. And there's yep. just these really slow conversations about you know, can you read boy and things like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, him realizing that it's not a boy at all. Like this is a girl and stuff like that. Like Taiwan is just so sophisticated. He's so intelligent. He's so aware of things. And I told there was that one episode of the podcast that we did where I said, I love this one Taiwan moment where Arya tries to say something a little snide to him. And he says, careful boy, or like careful girl. I'm fond of you, but careful. Like he knew because he basically was talking about how Rob had won every battle, right? But that doesn't win you the war. And Arya yep. said, well, what if he keeps winning? She said something a little snide, like something that yeah, showed yeah, yeah. that she was on Rob's side or she was rooting for Rob. And then Tywin immediately picked up on it because she said it in that, it's that way that kids think that they're a little smarter than you, right? You know how every kid goes through that period where they start to feel themselves and they say things as though you never lived. So she said something and it was it was so well written the way she says it. I can't even remember the line, but she says something. He picks up on that shit just like an adult would and he says, mm. careful girl, I've, I'm fond of you, but careful. I, I, I mm. love it. it. But that that moment wouldn't exist if it was just like dragons, fire, brimstone, warriors, fighting, constant, death. Str- like, and people want that and that part is good too. Battle of the Bastards is amazing too, but it's not as good as just all the scheming yeah. and politics and things that go on in between all the great battles. I'll even say this to it's not even that it's not as good as that. It's the reason why it is as good as that is because of the scheming. Like the, we said this a bunch of times in so many episodes and it's that pacing matters. And it's not just yeah. think like, cause being an anime fans, we come from a time where a term where the word pacing almost always is used negatively, where we say like yeah. the Naruto anime has bad pacing, and that's because of the filler or the pacing of the episodes and them dragging it out. Uh, whatever anime has bad pacing, um, and usually that means that they're dragging it out, they're making it slower because they're trying to not catch up to the source material, right? But we've also had the thing where we talk about Demon Slayer, where it feels like the pacing's too fast. Yes. It has bad pacing because it's too fast. Um, and so anyway, the point is, Battle of the Bastards is very good. That action is very good because there's drama behind it. If there's just a war, you can watch. There's a reason why people don't watch every other random medieval war show. And it's because, yes. you know what I mean? Like, the reason why you, everybody loved Battle of the Bastards is because there's a drama. There's six and, seasons of development that went before yeah, Battle of the Bastards. So by the time you it. get to it and Littlefinger comes in and saves the day, right? For Jon Snow's side, which yeah, is if so season one, season one had a battle of the bastards, it would just it would be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, you would just be watching it. You would be kind of indifferent. So when people say I can't connect to any of the characters, I'd argue that when you watch Game of Thrones season one, I don't think you connected to the characters either that well. Like, sure, you you picked your favorites and you like certain characters, but as far as connecting to them on some hardcore level, that's just not real in those I'm, ten episodes. Like, it's just but it's also just not like. Realistic. I, I think that there's a there's always a level of um, posturing and show offery on the internet because like I watched these ten episodes and I quickly had like characters that I liked and then like okay so for example in episode one you have Kristen Cole and Damon yep. right and they're like pitted against each other a bit 
And in episode one, I really liked Kristen Cole. The little bit that we saw of him, I yep. really liked Kristen Cole. I liked and then him I think for three episodes. Yeah, and then I think like even episode two and three, like I liked Kristen Cole a lot. And then Damon in episode one, I enjoyed, but I was still more toward indifferent. I wasn't for or against yeah. Damon necessarily yet yeah. in episode one. As the series progressed, Kristen Cole became such a little bitch. Yep. And I fucking I cannot fucking I stand hate that guy him. So and much. I'm gonna get in, I'm gonna get into every like he's such a fucking bitch. And in a good way in a writing standpoint, just to be clear, I'm not saying he's a bad He's not a badly written character. He's a bad character in a good way. So anyway, those are um, necessary. Like Joffrey is necessary for Game of Thrones to be a good show. Joffrey yeah, exactly. is hated as a character, but he is a good character for the show Game of Thrones. Exactly. And Damon, with each passing episode, I fucking like Damon more. To like, I'm a I'm ride or die fucking team Damon at the moment. Now that said, something can happen later in the series where Damon does something, and I'm like. Oh man, like that's kind of corny, like blah blah blah. But at the moment, I'm pretty ride or die team Damon. Like whenever there's a there's a part in uh in one of the things where Aemond, um, the one with one eye, I think it's like when they're at the dinner and like he's like basically getting tough and acting like he's gonna hurt or one of the one of Rhaenyra's children at yes. the table. And the whole time it's happening, I was like, does he not know Damon's standing there? Like, what does he think he's gonna do? I don't give a fuck how hot shit he thinks he yeah. is. Damon is right fucking there, and he will run you through. Yeah. No, uh, Eamon was definitely feeling himself, because in that same episode, you blatantly see Kristen and Eamon fighting in the front of the castle, and Eamon actually wins that fight, and he's like, oh, that scene was so cool, too, by the way, because that was yeah. the first time you really get to see older Eamon, and mm-hmm. Kristen Cole's like, you'll be winning 20s in no time, and he says, I don't give a fuck about 20s. Nephews, yeah. have you come to train? And the way he yep. looks at them... First of all, the older actor for Eamon, I love his character design. I think that that guy looks cool as shit. Like, I love it too. I he think doesn't that, look 15. I'll I, tell think you that. That, I think that putting a white wig on anyone makes them look so fucking cool. Like, a, or well, a silver, silver wig or white wig or whatever. Well, how quickly we it, forget Cowboy if, Bebop. If it's done like, correctly. Because <laughs> those wigs were cheap. Game of Thrones wigs can be cheap too because the wigs they put on that little black girl in episode two was fucking a war crime. Like the, the wig they put on little Lena when she was talking about how she was going to marry the king and she yeah, was yeah. like, I'll I'll have your children. I'll take care of your dragon. Yeah. I'll do everything you ask of me. Yeah. That little girl's wig was fucking terrible. But everybody else's wig, like the basically- All the older the, ones are good. The white yeah. Targaryen have good wigs. I'm gonna just say it. The all the I, wa- no, you don't think you don't think the black target the the Valarians. I think the old like the braid the dread ones. I think they look nice. Ah uh, no, I'm gonna just tell you as a nah. as a black person, those are not good wigs. I'm gonna tell you go on, well go on, go on black Twitter. Type in uh game type in house of the dragon. <laughs> so or no, go on oh, black man. Twitter and type in Valerian wigs. Dog, if you want some laughs, because because black people, black people know what it looks like to have dreads growing out of our actual scalp, and we know what it looks like for it to be a wig, and it's very hard to unsee it. So, like, while yes, it may look okay, we can't unsee that the hairline is like way too low. Like the wig needs to be pulled back some. Why are the edges look like that? Like, there's just there's just fundamental things that are. Here's what I'll say. I think that they did a really good job. Because, like, the alternative was just giving them white hair. And I think I like what they did. I like oh, this I option. I do more. like that they gave them dreadlocks, but the wigs, yeah, yeah. that doesn't mean that the wigs are good, though. But, I, but you know, they're wigs. I mean, you know, there's okay, they, but you can't get rid of their hair, right? There's They got to no, cover their real there, hair, there are, you know? There are better ways to do it. 
and yeah, yeah. I don't want the t- I don't want to turn this into like a hair like black yeah. hair conversation because <laughs> it can go there and like it's not necessary. But the point is, as someone who represents like the black community. I'm telling you flat out, those wigs were trash. And if you want to see other opinions about those wigs, just type in Valerian wigs on Twitter and laugh. Like, it is so fucking funny, the memes that are, like came out about, like... Oh, anyway, so yes. the I like that the Valerians are black, though, in general, because they're not actually in the source material. Um, but I like that that's a thing. I think that it's nice to have inclusion always. And I also think that it actually makes sense for... <laughs> how blatant it is that those strong boys are not valerian blood yeah, yeah. I, that's i that's think cool. it's so clever to have them be black because it's been a common trope in real life that when a black baby is born to some white woman and like her husband's white it, it's like obviously like oh shit she's been cheating on him that's been yeah, a joke yeah. that's been going on for years and years and years we've definitely heard about that type of stuff in media um and so seeing it in a medieval show, while it is kind of comedic in one way, like, damn, those kids are just straight up white. Like the yeah, same, yeah, yeah. it's kind of the same way I feel about Michael Jackson's kids, like his kids, Paris and Blanket or whatever. Those kids are not actually Michael Jackson's kids. Those kids are just blatantly like Michael Jackson's semen did not create those two white people. Those both of them are yeah, just white. people forget that just because Michael Jackson is not white. Like, like Michael Jackson is black. Michael Jackson is like, blacker than me. Like Mike, Michael Jackson. A disease like, doesn't change your DNA. Like, yeah, like the original Michael Jackson is like darker than me. The original Michael Jackson has a bigger nose than me. Like he has very black features, like bigger lips, everything. Like Michael Jackson was black. Like he was black and he black. And I love being black. But Michael Jackson's features originally, he had like an afro. Like look at the yeah, original yeah. Michael Jackson. Yo, Jackson Fireball, man, he was rocking that yes. shit. Yes, and Michael Jackson was a, it, the saddest part about his story is that like he was a very good looking guy. Dude, he really was. He, like, like Michael Jackson is good looking. Like he was the black Michael Jackson was very very attractive. He's he very actually like you know he really was. He was like, a handsome guy. He was a handsome man. And it just white Michael Jackson is not attractive. He's not white Michael Jackson's scary. White he Michael does. Jackson is scary, but not to get like too sidetracked. But White Michael Jackson is fucking creepy as shit looking. Yeah, he looks like Episode Eight King. Yes, <laughs> and God, God rest his soul. But yes, White Michael Jackson was not it, and it just shows that they chose to make the Valerians black not only because inclusion, but also because narratively, it actually yeah. makes it. It does more, add to the narrative. It makes it more apparent that those kids are just so not Valerian. Like they're just yeah. white boys, and there's nothing wrong with them being like three white boys. It's just like, but Rhaenyra and the king choosing to lie about it is it makes it more of a joke. And that's the point, though. The point is the whole yeah. realm. In fact, the re- one of the reasons why I think episode seven is the best episode of the whole season is that scene in the chain, like the feasting chamber where they all have that big fallout after the kids fight and Eamon's eye is gone. Um, when the king is asking Amen, who the hell did you hear these lies from? Who did you hear this treason from? Tell it to your king yeah. right now. I'm your king. I command you. And he says, I heard it from Aegon. And then the king looks at Aegon and Aegon is scared. He looks at his mom and then the king looks at, at Allison because he realizes you fucking bitch. You told our children that my daughter's you know, sons are actually not really legitimate and stuff like that. So he asked him, he says, Aegon, tell me right now, where did you hear this treason? If there's treason going around in my castle, you know you have to tell me, right? And Aegon's like, he looks down, and I thought like, oh shit, if he gives up his mom, this is going to be crazy. But then he goes, he just simply says, and this was so crazy, but it was such a, oh, so good. He simply just says, everybody knows. We can all see it. 
We yep. all have we have eyes just like that. And the king it was had a smart, it was a smart no, thing for him to do. It was the king had no response. The king literally had no response to that. Something else I thought was cool. I think this is the same episode. Is the part where um Corliss is talking to his wife and Renice. And basically, Renice is also kind of saying, like, you know, like, those aren't your grandchildren, yes. blah, blah, blah. Those are not your And women. then Corliss goes, and this is like, it's weird because this is something I really like, but at the same time, like, I don't, I don't know how to feel about it while, while also liking it. He basically is just like, like, history doesn't remember blood, it remembers names. And, like, Corliss, basically, he doesn't care that they're not actually his bloodline. Yeah. He cares that the name of his bloodline carries on. Yep. And what I find interesting about that is, as humans, and just growing up even in normal society, we don't live in, like, a royalty society, a bloodline society, there is this thing that goes on of, like, people having an urge to pass on their bloodline. People yep. saying, like, I want to have a son because, like, I don't want my last name to die with me. You know what I mean? Like, people yes. want to carry on their bloodline, but they also want to carry on their name. And I thought it was very interesting to show the dynamic that, like, the thing that people really want, it's not even necessarily passing on their bloodline. It's people are scared of death and people want to be remembered. They want history to remember them. And so there's this vain attempt to pass your name down for history to remember it. And that's what Corliss was demonstrating there is that like he didn't even really care that they weren't actually his blood. It yeah, was and that, uh, he wants history to remember my, my name. And I, I respect that too. I really like that. But there's also something really cool about the fact that Corliss is a black man and What's actually happening to him is if they allow Rhaenyra's three bastard children to become the lords of Driftmark, essentially, this black man will have lost like his entire everything he's worked for to these yeah, three yeah. bastard white children that will be white and will continue to be white for until they mate with a you know someone black. Like until they until they procreate with a black person, their line, the Valerian line will then be whitewashed. And it's so interesting yeah. to think about that. Like, cause in real life, obviously, you know, like this is fantasy. Fantasy black people are not the same. So the Valerians, it doesn't seem to be any racism in uh as far as Valerian is being black. I love that. Yeah, yeah. That just doesn't exist. Like they aren't Corliss isn't treated differently because he's black. That doesn't, that's not a plot point. That's not a thing in the show and at all. And it's not necessary. It's like, not necessary. It's not, even that racism. It's not necessary that they way. bring that in. Yeah. And I, yeah. And, I, and I love that. I can watch this show without having to worry about like, Oh God, he's being treated badly because he's black and that whole thing. So he's allowed in this world where racism isn't really a big deal. As far as the Valerians go, he's allowed to say things like, I don't care that these three white children are actually becoming the Lord of Driftmark when I die, because that's a big thing to give away in real life. Like, in, yeah, yeah, in yeah, real yeah, 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 yeah. There's no fucking in real life. Vayman is every black person in real life. The way, yeah, yeah, yeah. the way his brother Vayman felt, who's actually his nephew in the books, but whatever. Vayman, his brother, the way he feels that anger and that animosity is the exact way that in real life, with all the history of black people and stuff like that, that's how we actually feel. So it's cool that. Somehow, George R. R. Martin and the writers were able to capture two very different emotions where Corliss is like, I don't care who it is, white or black, I just want it to be our last name. And then the brother's mm -hmm. like, no, fuck that. It needs to be our blood. Look at them. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, yeah. look at them. Like, it's very interesting. And so that's that's why I thought that was so cool. That moment was so cool because, like, it had so many different emotions and, like, thought practices in it. Yeah, and no, you, it are, was just you are 100% right. The interesting fact that he capture. Said, uh, 
History doesn't remember blood and remembers names. That's and that's also just true. Like I don't know the exact bloodline of King Louis the Thirteenth or whatever. Like I don't fucking know if he yeah. was actually legitimate. I know his name was Louis the Thirteenth though. Like I know, you know what I mean? Like yeah. all the kings I know there was thirteen Louis. Like yes. <laughs> I don't know exactly if they were bastards, if there was some secret about them at all. And and the history books don't really care either, apparently. But uh, yeah, I thought that that was really cool. Also, can I just say on a side note? Low key, when you were talking about how we want to have children and like carry on our names, do you h- how many kids do you think, or like how many kids do you think were born since Game of Thrones and like now House of the Dragon with last names like Lannister and Stark and Baratheon? Like, do you think that people? So, I personally would name my child like Fraser so, Baratheon or Fraser Stark or whatever yeah, it is. Like, so this just sounds cool. Their last name though, because I don't. So I don't a hundred percent know how that's done. Like. When you have a kid, like, are you allowed to change their last name, or yeah, is it like, always your last name? No, like, you can, I, I don't. Kid, I don't even fucking know. Your really. kid can have whatever last name you want them to have. Like, I could have a child, and I could choose to end my last name Smith. I'm the third Smith, so I could choose to have a kid, and then end the name Smith. And just yeah, I guess I, I could just change it. Like, I like. It's just like so not commonly done. It's, it's very, very uncommon. I mean, but some kids, like I have some friends who have their uh they have their mother's last name. And I always yeah, say, yeah, yeah, that, and yeah. I always make fun of them, but like not actually, but also actually I say like, oh dad wasn't shit, huh? And they just laugh and say, Yeah, dad wasn't shit. Like No, I mean it's true. I have I have a sibling. And that sibling has his mother's last name because his dad ain't shit. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> like it's it's why real. It like it's why did it just get so real? True. Like I, it's just the it's just facts. <laughs> like I, a, I don't that's know. That's a real thing, though, right? Because like the yeah, dad like, was a piece of shit, and therefore the kid took the mom's last name. Because, like, for example, my dad was shit, and yes. I have I don't have my mom's last name. Yes, you <laughs> like, have I, you have your Delgado. Like that is your dad. I have Smith. My dad's name and his father's name is also Smith. But at any point, it could have been your mom's last name, or my mom could have just been like, "Well, this kid came out of me, and I'm naming yeah, this yeah. kid whatever I want." And honestly, I don't think there's anything that my dad could have done about it because you know, at the end of the yeah. day. So to answer your question, but I I'm don't saying, think yeah, that there's guess, many people that change the last name. But I do know for a fact. There's a lot of Daenerys. There's a lot of Daenerys. Yeah, it will be o- O'Donnell's. Like there's there's like Daenerys O'Connor running around yeah, out there. Like I guess that's like, true. Like last name is a big deal, but I guess because I don't, you I don't, don't really, care. I don't care. I don't hold yeah. much weight to the name because I, I don't even know if I'm going to procreate. Like I still have yeah, not yeah, decided. Yeah. It, I mean, I have. So I, much, I'm a man, so I have so much time to decide, which is like really fortunate. But like I don't know if I'm even going to have children, and if. And if I do, I'll cross this bridge when I get to it. Probably when you actually have the kid, though, when the kid's actually, you know, brewing and, and cooking yeah, in the yeah. oven, you probably start to feel this connection where you're like, I want them to carry on my legacy, right? You want them to carry on. So, something that's interesting, and it's obviously different for different people, but I have a, a couple, like a, quite a few friends that, that have children and a, a sentiment among all of them, and they're all good fathers, but a sentiment among all of them is they said, like, whereas their wife slash girlfriend felt a connection to the kid like almost immediately they all have kind of said in like different conversations that like their connection to their kid didn't really start until like two weeks after the kid was born yeah like they had like some connection but like they didn't really feel it until they actually saw and held the kid you yeah know what i mean like i think two that's a normal thing for men too i think um, that, i think i've i've heard that before right like i've heard that men 
don't have the same connection as a mother does. And that's just kind of obvious, right? You carry something yeah. inside of you for nine months, 10 months or whatever. And your connection is naturally going to be stronger for that. But also even after the child is born and a man does have a connection, it will never be the same as a mom. Like it, yeah, I do think our connection will just, connection it is, will never be the same. Right. Like our, cause there's an emotional difference. Yes. Right? They've said that like, there's no, nine months is a lot. Love. Yes. Yeah. So Rhaenyra in house of the dragon, like the way she loves her sons, despite them being bastards, despite her knowing the, the ugly truth about everything and living in these times where that's such a crime, apparently uh, is, I mean, I, I love seeing how human it is. I also love in episode 10 when she's talking to her younger son, Lucerus, uh. and he says, you're so perfect. And she hugs him and she smiles and looks up and she laughs because we know by episode 10 that Rhaenyra is anything but perfect. And she actually says, yeah. Any, I'm anything but. And I, and I love that human moment. It makes you like Rhaenyra more. It makes her, it humanizes her because in a book, she's a little bit more of a, She's a little more cold in the book because the book is just a history. It's a history book. It's not really written from anyone's perspective. It's written from the maester's perspective. So you don't get this After this, detail. After this point we're making now, there's something I want to say about that. All right. Hold that thought then. Yep. Uh, but yeah, Rhaenyra is very humanized in the show, whereas she can be seen as a little bit colder in the novel uh, Fire and Blood. And that's fine. But I I like these characters more than the book characters because they're more fleshed out. And for people who are like, oh, they changed this or they changed that. Like, for example, Eamon basically killing his nephew in the book is almost like he did it on purpose. But very clearly, at the end of episode 10 of this show, the look on his face tells you that was not intentional. Also, you just know it's not intentional because he said, Vagar, listen to me. Come, I command thee and all that stuff. And like, Vagar did what the fuck Vagar wanted to do. Um, and, so does he, and so did... uh. Arox or whatever that dragon's name is that's now no longer with us but neither dragon listened and that is a change from what happened in the book but the book is also no one was there right so like even the maesters who are writing about it in the novel fire and blood they weren't actually there when it happened to see so, what really happened so two things one to just go back to the previous point for a quick moment the the, uh, the thing that i loved about the moment when he was like called his mom perfect and she said i'm anything but is like like you said it's such a human moment and it's so honest because that's how a lot of children look at their parents right like you look at you you look at your parents in a lot of ways like they can do anything because in a lot of ways they can in comparison to you they're bigger they're stronger they're smarter they've seen more and even yeah. though as a kid you have arrogance um especially when you get to the teenage years before the teenage years before you gain a lot of that arrogance like a lot of children look at their parents like they're unstoppable. I thought right? my dad was Superman when I was a kid. Exactly. I so, thought my dad was the strongest person in the world. I thought that he was the smartest guy in the world because he always knew when I was lying. He knew yep. so many things and I couldn't understand how the fuck could this guy, he knew so much, but it, he was just an adult who's lived he was life. Just an adult. Yeah. And he was just kids, you already for yes, 30 like, years or whatever. Right now with my level of intelligence, if I had a 10 year old kid, there would be nothing that could get past me. Yeah, I'm, it's not possible. It's just not possible. It's like there's not like you can't get a. It's almost hilarious. Yes, like it's like <laughs> it's actually comically funny how stupid kids are. Basically, yeah. So that that's such a cool moment because she's sitting there, and what we've seen in the last nine episodes, like we've seen her life. Obviously, not all of it. But we've seen key moments of her life. She know so like when she takes that moment and looks into the sky, it's like. It's like that thing that you can never convey to a child. Like you have yes. no idea how not perfect I am. Yeah. Like I've and lived too, like, son. Like I've lived yeah. my life and I've made so, mistakes. And, but she also 
I'll just throw this in here because it's just such a good developmental point. She says, I had my father to look after me and to make sure that I always knew what my duties were. And I just love that moment because Viserys always protected Rhaenyra and actually mm-hmm. finding out that he never told the um, the truth about the ice and the fire and blood and all that stuff and like the Song of That's Ice and right. Fire. He never told the prophecy to anyone else besides her. It solidified that Viserys always really did have Rhaenyra's best interest. He really, really trusted her. So, yeah, but go ahead. So the next thing, and you kind of already alluded to it, which I love, because you're the only other person I've talked to that have even alluded to this point that I've that I've been that's been staring in my head. Um, I think now there's things that are just obvious changes. For example, Rhaenyra's age, like like the age difference between her and Allison. Yeah, yeah. There's things that are obvious changes that I think like they're just simply changes from the books. There's no argument to be had. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of changes that aren't changes, like. The same. thing that you said where in the in the book, the book isn't a book like Game of Thrones, yes. Song of Ice and Fire. The book is a history book written from the perspective of historians that are retelling the history going down, you know, throughout the years. Yes. So when in the, the book, the history book, it says, like, these were Aemon's intentions. They There's no proof of that. It's just what they understand of the right. history, like, what Aemon, has been written down. Aemon returns to King's Landing and... You know, his nephew's dead now. Like, he he can't. Yeah, and his now nephew. his nephew's dead, and his dragon ate him. So it's like, no matter what Eamon says, there's a history of that. Another thing that I think is really interesting is that, um, and spoilers, I guess, if you don't know what happens in the books, but this doesn't really matter because the books are different from the show. Yeah, and okay. we're already past this point in both the book and the show. So early on, there's a part where um, Damon kills his wife, his wife that he said was uglier than sheep. Yes. Um, Damon kills her in the book. He doesn't kill her. She's killed by, like, a random vagrant or whatever. But, of course she's killed by a random vagrant. The history books aren't going to reflect that Damon killed his wife. Yes. That's, like, it so can't... In the, in, the, in the book, it says that she died uh, in a in a horse riding accident or some bullshit like yeah. that. But That's it's how com- she died in the show, too. Yes, like, it is complete bullshit, and everyone knows it's bullshit. So, you're supposed to read the subtext. And when you're reading the book, you're supposed to read between the lines on everything that they say. Yeah, and that's so interesting. How interesting, like, George George R. R. Martin is such an interesting writer in that, and maybe there's another guy that has done this, but not to my knowledge. I love the fact that he has written this series and that he has gone through to create mountains of lore around a bunch of places we never even get to see that is just lore on top of lore, and then he even created a history book that is, like, realistic to real history because it's fake history. Yes. Like. Real history isn't told exactly the way it happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's but, a debate on that right now in our real world about the yeah. way history is being told. And so how but when you're writing a book, of course you would write it accurately because you're making the story up. But how much more cool and realistic is it to to write your history book inaccurately? Yes. Like your fantasy like history, book, history writing, book like would be. That That's is so amazing. fucking cool. George R. R. Martin is honestly one of the best writers of all time and obviously one of the best writers of our time specifically but like this guy is next level because again Eamon shows up to king's landing you know after killing his nephew um and you don't know what's really going on in his head so while he may have been expecting like in the book it says Eamon was expecting perhaps to be welcomed home with open arms and like as a warrior and you did this great thing but then he's met with the opposite reaction and stuff like that. So in the book, it's like, Oh, he murdered him and he wanted to murder him. But in the show, I think it's what you said. I think the reality is 
he couldn't control his dragon and his dragon fucking did something that he didn't command it to do because that's what and Viserys said this episode one to Rhaenyra which is so cool that it has a payoff he says everyone thinks that we're closer to gods than we are to men but that's not true it's because uh, we're uh, we have the dragons and everyone thinks that we control the dragons but that's that's a lie we don't actually control the dragons the dragons are a power that we should have never trifled with Mm-hmm. and it calls the doom of Valyria and stuff like that. He's alluding to the fact that dragons are not like something that we just control and they're going to bring us all this prosperity and all of these great things. They actually can be quite devastating to our society and to our family, and we should be careful using them at all. Uh, and yep. you see that the dragons literally are going to cause a fucking war that essentially wipes out the dragons like the dragons after at the end of all of this spoiler alert but at the end of all of this as you know game of thrones starts off there are no dragons in the world when game of thrones starts there are why? no dragons why are there no dragons because of this shit because vagar just decided to eat arox and baby Viserys off of yo, the back like so that's another one how you said episode seven had no bad scenes episode 10 had no bad scenes episode 10 like i feel like all the way through was fucking incredible to look at. I loved watching it. I, I was engaged. I disagree with one, one. There's one scene that I just... Which one? Was, I think me, me, me and Gary actually talked about this. Uh, I, okay, the very last scene I think is so bad, actually. Like, I have a huge gripe with that scene. I, so I guess now that we're talking about it, I might, yeah, as, well, yeah. I might as well bring this up. Uh, episode 10, perfect episode, literally from start to finish until the... Like, literally the last scene. So after Eamon's Dragon Vagar eats his nephew right and you get the look on his face and he looks fucking terrified because he knows what this means like he's actually a kid too like he's a teenager so he's like 60 or whatever he looks terrified and rightfully so because what he just did is not what he intended to do now we know that no one else knows that so he can go back home and pretend to be like oh yeah i fucking killed one of their sides like he can do that because that's the only thing he can do as opposed to saying i lost control of my dragon which looks way worse anyway it should have ended in my opinion the show should have ended with the look on his face. The screen should have went black credits. What they did instead. And, and I, I might be able to sway you because I know that you're a reasonable person or maybe you can offer some countermeasure. But I think that after Gary and I talked about this in great lengths, that last scene was Damon's walking towards Rhaenyra. Her back is to him. She's in the planning room that we've seen so many times in Dragonstone. Right. And they're playing the sad music. Damon's walking up and it's all in slow motion. And then Damon walks over to Rhaenyra. He says something to Rhaenyra. You could tell physically that whatever he said to her shook her to the core. And then she does this slow turnaround where she looks like Daenerys did after they killed Missandei and she went and burned down King's Landing. It's like this slow turnaround and her face is really angry. Mm. The reason why I think that this scene was actually bad is for a couple reasons. How the fuck did they find out? How much time do I have to, as a, as a viewer, how much time do I have to assume have pa- has passed between Lucera's going out to storm's end and them realizing that he got killed. And how do they even know that? Like what, what amount of time do I have to assume as a viewer? Because it came immediate. It was the last scene was Eamon's face being scared immediately. The next scene after the screen is black and it opens back up. Cause we were about to be like, Oh, start talking now about the episode after the screen went black on Eamon. We thought it was over. And then it yeah. opened back up with Damon walking to where I think the scene is completely unnecessary. I think it's unnecessary, but I also think that it's a little bit ridiculous because in these times, there's no way information travels fast. There's just no fucking way information in this world travels fast. So then you have to do things like this to make it make sense. You have to make all these assumptions. Oh, well, I guess, I guess that there was a time skip here. And then you have to say, well, wait, what would they have 
even found to make them realize that he got killed and like how long would that part have taken but then also this is the the real gripe my actual biggest gripe with this scene is that i actually think it's unnecessary i think Mm. that you could have saved it for season two episode one opening could have been that exact scene but like more flushed out don't make it some slow motion bullshit because it doesn't need to be that but like episode episode one of season two could literally start with her finding out that her son got killed but having it be at the end, it doesn't actually do anything because you already know, if you've been paying attention to the show, I feel like, you already know when Rhaenyra finds out how she's going to react. Yeah, I don't so, think you needed this scene. And I also think the scene is a bit ridiculous because how the fuck in these times where information travels so slowly, why did it come? It just came immediately after. And I thought that was a bit ridiculous. I think it's just a bit yeah. ridiculous. So it's interesting. So I um I get what you're saying. I do agree that from a full like narrative standpoint the scene's not necessarily necessary like if they ended it where you said um i think that would be really good you think the show like the show would be absolutely fine still yeah and i I know why is still fine don't get me wrong but i think you could see that if that scene was cut it would not lose anything yeah no if that scene was cut yeah but i think here's why that scene's there that scene's there because they needed to create that moment like for the next season where like they needed, they wanted to create that, like like the way that scene happens at the end, you know what I mean? Like it's, they go up and she turns around. Unfortunately, I think the pacing on it was so bad though, then man, it, I can't what deal, I'm saying I is like, unfortunately, deal. um, these companies know that the average viewer are people like yeah. how we said earlier that are like, I want to see a war now. And so they, <laughs> <laughs> so they need they need to have a scene where you see Rhaenyra's face and that way they go, oh, she's mad. Yeah, even though, in my opinion, <laughs> it, it would not take her finding out the information at the end of it literally just like, Vagar, 10 seconds before that scene, swallowed her, her son. 10 seconds before that scene, Vagar swallowed her son. Yeah. And then so the, scene, I, the scene starts playing 10 seconds later. So you can imagine from my perspective and from Gary's perspective and like probably a lot of other people, how jarring it could be if you think about it. Like if you're just yeah. in the moment, you're like, oh, that's so she's so angry. But if you think about it and, and we thought about it like literally as it happened, I was like, wait a second, because what I said was as it was because the scene was so slow, it's in slow motion. As it was happening, Gary and I started talking to each other. We were like, uh, does he know? And Gary was like, no, there's no way he knows. And I was like. I don't think so either. And then as he got closer to her, I started second guessing myself. I said, Gary, what if he knows? And then Gary yeah. was like, how would he know? And I said, I, I don't know. But like, what I said, yeah. well, is it a time skip, I guess? And we, we kept going back and forth. Mind you, the scene is literally playing out. And then when he, when he said whatever he said to her and she turned around slowly, he was like, oh, and I was like, wow, the fuck does he know already? Yeah, I do think, I do think it's pro- like the assumption probably is that time passed because like it has to, right? Yeah, time but, like I I do think it's but I'm just mad like, that I have to time, make that assumption. I'm I'm like, so angry because this I'm so angry because the reason why Game of Thrones last season was bad is because of how fast things were happening. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think that they could have developed this a lot better in season two. I think this would have been such a big moment to have like her finding the. I think that the way she found finds out in season two, episode one, could have been so fucking good from a directorial standpoint of like okay, where's my son? Because he had the shorter trip. Remember, he's the younger brother. So yeah, his yeah. trip, 
his trip shouldn't be as long as the older brother who's going all the way to Winterfell. Um, so his trip shouldn't be as long. So she would be expecting him back, let's say in two days, 48 hours, maybe 72 hours at the latest. So like they could do, it opens up, Rhaenyra thinks everything's fine. And then after a couple days passes, she sends a raven out to the Baratheons and is like, yo, what, what happened? Where's like, where's my son? Like that type of vibe. Yeah, and, yeah. and then like it slowly happens over the course of episode one. And then at the end of episode one, after she finds out the information, because there's things going on in episode one is like, holy shit. Now she's fucking furious or whatever. I think for that same reason is why you could argue that like, that's kind of why you don't need to drag it out because it is the shorter trip. Like how it wouldn't take that. Like, let's, I don't know how long the flight is, but let's say like you said, it was like a two day trip. Or yeah. We have, we don't, trip. we don't know as, as yeah. just watching the show or whatever. And, you know, if, if four five, seven days pass and he's still not back and then you get reports like, Oh, well, Amon was there too. Like eventually they'd figure it out. And I don't think it would take too long, but also I think another reason why I don't hold it against it too much is because although you, we don't usually get time skips mid episode this whole season, we got a lot of time skips, but they're always between episodes. Off the top of my head, I can't think of any that really yeah, happened mid episode. I don't think we get them but, in episode, and this one had to be a again. This is medieval time. That yeah, time yeah. skip had to be a good bro to find out that a dragon ate him. There's there's nothing left of the little boy. The little boy got he's swallowed big. whole. He's, he's big gone. So so. The thing is, so I guess what I'm saying is that um, although I do agree overall, I will agree with you on the point that I think, strictly speaking, the scene was unnecessary. But I understand why it was there. And the reason why I don't hold it against it too much is because I feel as though it's kind of in line with the rest of the season in that, like, they're trying to show you some of the most important moments throughout history to get to what's going to happen in season two. And maybe their justification is that they don't have the time in season two to do all that you just said in episode one, because they have other things they need to get to. And like their, their budget real estate is only, you know what it is. They have episodes. I don't want to use that as a cop out though. I think that is, I think in general, um, that, that is always like a poor excuse for anything. If you're trying to make something quality, make it quality. Like, it, it shouldn't matter because they have the biggest budget that they need. Like this, this yeah, is, yeah. this is HBO. We're talking about HBO is the biggest channel. Like they're the biggest, like there's nothing that has more yeah. awards, more guess, budget. Yeah, I just, like the only thing I, now well, that exists that has a bigger budget than HBO is literally Amazon with that rings of power show. And that shows fucking shit. And they spent $60 million an episode on that show. I don't know how, but they have the biggest budget now, but before I them, haven't seen it, it yet. before <laughs> you're in for a treat before them though, it was HBO, HBO and, and Netflix with oh, yeah. things and stuff like that. But like, it's not, it's not the budget It's literally just honestly, that scene was bad pacing. It, it was just bad pacing. Like a time skip within the episode is literally game of Thrones season eight. It is it, the only time it's ever happened is game of Thrones season eight. Just like the, the, that's the thing though, is that I feel like, th- so that's where I do. I, I disagree <laughs> because I don't think game of Thrones season eight were time skips. Game of Thrones season eight ignored time. Whereas like this was like, it was a scene at the end of an episode where you can assume time had passed. It wasn't like, whereas it game of Thrones, I'll specifically say season seven game of Thrones season seven. They teleported like he fucking teleported from like a war in the middle of the North to the wall, to a crow all the way in the South to the dragon. And that all happened in the span of like a day. And we watched that happen. And there was like, no span I mean, of time a character to ran from beyond the wall <laughs> back to the fucking wall. And by the way, they were they tre- that trek that trip they had beyond the wall, from what I remember, 
was more than one day. Like they were out yes. there for more than one day. They were standing so he, and it became nighttime and he ran back to the wall and then got a, a message to Daenerys who then flew. It was ridiculous. So he, he ran to the wall, a crow flew to the south, and then she had time to fly back north in like a day. Yes, and so that's all where this happened in the like, same episode. So this is what I got from when I saw this scene. I was like, yo, what what are we doing? Like, what? So that's, that's where, for me, it's a disconnect. Because like, to me, when I look at that, because you see the, t- the frame of events happen, you go, this wasn't a time skip. They ignored the concept of time. Whereas that last scene, you could argue, it was like, it's not that like, but why dragons I, teleported it's just like time passed why do i have to assume in the world of game of thrones where things can be flushed out so well and things have been in the past flushed out very well why do i have to assume that like a good amount of time has passed between her son being eaten in the very last scene and right now like i get the whole shock factor thing but that's not the only bad scene like that that's unnecessary and unnecessary is a strong word like the fact that we we agree that it's unnecessary we agree that it doesn't really add anything to Rhaenyra's character because you know exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know if you've been paying attention to the last ten episodes because that is the end of episode ten, so you've watched ten episodes by this point. You know oh, that boy. she was trying to be peaceful as she could be. Allison was trying to be peaceful, but it's the people around them who are not fucking peaceful. It's everybody. It's all the men. Like the men want to go to war. The men want to fight. The men want to have their dick pulling contest or a dick measuring contest hey, or whatever. Dude. The women are dude, like. Damon was so ready for war. Uh, like it didn't take. It, it did not take long uh, for Damon to start sharpening the sword. The like men, he was. The men want was to in fight. It. But I love that Rhaenyra had restraint. And then Rhaenys being a narrator was like, she's the only one who has restraint. Oh, oh, that's another one. In the books, quote, in the in the historic tale, this is one that I thought people were like, I couldn't believe people were really arguing about this. In the books, it is confirmed, in quotes, that um, that guy is dead. Um, Corliss's son, R- Rhaenyra's husband. Um, I don't remember his name. Yeah, it I'm is waiting, confirmed, waiting. like, he is definitely dead. But, like... That's the point. In uh, the show, he's also definitely dead. Yeah, like, I was going to say, in the book, it... Because, again, this is where they don't really know if he's 100% dead in the yeah. book either. Right now, in the show, the he's entire dead. world yes. thinks he's dead other than two people. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's the that's what's so mind-boggling to me is that people have to realize you're watching a show. Like, what you read before was a historic tale of events. You're watching the show, so we have a perspective that the book didn't have. We're actually seeing things that happened from God's view. We're seeing yeah. two people in a room have a conversation that nobody else could possibly hear other than the million of people watching it on HBO. So it's like we're seeing events as they actually happened, and then we have the perspective of, of how they were told throughout history. And I think that's so fucking cool. Yeah, I really love, and George R. R. Martin said that this show is canon. So like, as they fill in these gaps, because he's, he's an executive producer on the show. So, you know, at this point, he's his hand is actually in it. It's not just some yeah. season seven or eight nonsense where they're just doing shit and like George is begging them, please God, don't do this. Um, with this show, one, the story is written from start to finish, but in this instance, the writers, the show writers specifically, can take certain liberties, and the liberties make sense because George actually kind of intended for things to be interpreted different yeah, ways. Yeah. In fact, in fact. If you read excerpts, anyone who's ever read Fire and Blood, or if you just read excerpts from Fire and Blood, it'll say, uh, Maester, whatever, or Septon, whatever, account of the story was, 
Uh, mm. Amen expected a welcome victory. It'll say, but Mushroom, who's a court jester, like Mushroom is literally, uh, I'm gonna just say this, he's an imp, like Tyrion was, as they call him. Um, and he's just a, a fool. So he's, he has, he always has these crass takes on things. He says, like, Rhaenyra wanted to fuck him, too. She didn't just want to fuck Kristen Cole and Damon. She also was into him, but he rejected her. He says stuff like that. But sometimes Mushroom's account of things in the book is actually the reality of the things, as we're seeing now with this show being canon. Some of Mushroom's takes are actually real. For example, in the book, it says that Kristen Cole rejected Rhaenyra. It says that Rhaenyra attempted to have sex with him, but Kristen rejected her. That's not true. That's not true at all. But that's what, that's what they would have you believe. But that's what that because and that's what's so cool because it's the same thing with like Damon. People like I'm, I saw people complaining like, oh man, like they changed Damon's character. He didn't kill his wife in the books, and it's like mm. you're reading history. Like you have to realize history. The king isn't going to let history be written in a way of like Damon. Oh yeah, my brother, and then she dies. Like yeah, even, like even, <laughs> like. Go back to your wife. Wife dies. Like, I mean, yeah. people are ridiculous to me. Like people are. And it's crazy to me. Just because, like, just because George R. R. Martin did not write on the page, Damon took a rock and bashed his wife's head in. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I don't know. He didn't. She just died. He didn't do it. Well, it's it's yeah, kind of so, ridiculous. But that that stuff's cool. Like I know. Um. So real quick on the Kristen Cole hate. Um, Kristen Cole hates her in the book, but we don't know why. Well, what the fuck do you think happened? What yeah, do you think? Why do you think he? Okay, Kristen Cole is the same exact. He's the exact same story arc in the book. So in the book, he was chosen by Rhaenyra to be her knight and everything like that, and to be her sworn protector. Uh, all of a sudden, he switches sides, and he's now Allison's sworn protector. Why? Why? Why do you think that he now hates her? Why do you think that he will fight a war on the other side opposing her? What mm-hmm. do you think when, had to happen for that? He has said. That it was because of her, like, he gave him his greatest honor in life, like, yep. elevating him and his when name. When they were walking, back to episode three, one of my favorite episodes, is just her and him in the woods. He says that exact line Kenny just said, you gave me my greatest honor, without you I would be nothing. Yep. And so, I thought that was incredible, right? And Kristen Cole is a very honorable person at this point. And then he gets, you know, brought in and he gets soiled and he 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 doesn't want to be a side hoe and he wants to, you yeah. know, whatever. All this shit happens. He because ends that up, white cloak means everything. He said, this is all I have to my fucking name. Yeah. He's so pissed. but what's crazy is that, and this is why, if that if that was true, I'm, I might respect him more. But as it went on, he proved to me that the white cloak, like he doesn't, he stopped caring about his white cloak. He's a hypocrite. So, Kristen Cole is a, a fucking huge hypocrite. He grows and he hates, and then like he's just on Team Allison to be there. And then like he fucking murders somebody in cold blood, yep. just like, out in the open, wearing his white cloak because he, you know, is having a bad fucking day. And I will, I will say, did you, did you, see, did you feel this way about that scene in episode five at the end when he beat the shit out of Jeff Joffrey? So I was wondering about. I this. feel what way? Um. So Joffrey tells Kristen he antagonizes him. He's like, I know that yeah, you yeah. and Rhaenyra have had sex. I know about your little deal because my boyfriend told me about it and whatever. Just let's keep that between us and whatever. But I feel like when he left, he smacked his ass. At the very end, uh, I, I'm like, maybe I'm imagining it because I watched it a couple times, but I swear before Joffrey left Kristen Cole's side, I think he smacked him on the butt and he walked away and then Kristen jumps. Like the butt smack make like like any guy probably would. Like even me, like when somebody smacks yeah, me in the yeah, ass, yeah, yeah. like I jump. Anyways, because I'm not a fucking athlete, so I'm not used to it. But Kristen, Kristen Cole, I think Joffrey smacked him on the butt and Kristen like jumps and then you see his eyes 
he like looks to see if anyone notices is like this quick little glance to the right then it's another yeah, quick yeah. glance and then you see him start to like collect himself like if people are watching this on patreon you kind of see all the emotions I'm, I'm making with my face and like the way I, I look uncomfortable and Kristen looked very uncomfortable i do think that what Kenny said is true. He definitely was having a bad day. They showed us him having a bad day. He was about to cry. He kind of did cry to Rhaenyra when he yelled at her and said, I, this is all I have to my fucking name and you want me to be your whore and all this other stuff. Like he had a bad day, but on top of him having a bad day, you get this fucking guy coming out of nowhere who's telling you what you're going to do. And, yeah. and which is so basically how Rhaenyra treated him like on some bullshit. He feels like, okay, now everybody's not about to just shit on my white cloak. Everyone's not about to yeah, know yeah, yeah, yeah. that my white cloak doesn't mean anything to me. Cause again, this is all he has. But on top of that, I felt like he was sexually assaulted. I felt like yeah. that guy slapped him when he asked him. Maybe I imagined that maybe that didn't happen, but if that guy slapped him, when so he I asked, can't, I can't just, I've only seen all of the episodes once at this okay. point. Okay. So I haven't, I haven't seen the episodes more than once. So I can't tell you whether or not I noticed them. I personally, if you're asking me, I didn't notice it, but I've only seen the episode. once. I, um, 99% sure feel like he got assaulted by that guy. I feel like Joffrey slapped him on the ass, and yeah, you might argue, well, that's not a reason to kill him, and I agree. that Killing him is a bit much, but if you physically touch someone, right, especially in a disrespectful way, I'm all for whatever happens after that, you cannot tell a person how to react, and he reacted in the most extreme so way that's he true. could. Here's what I'll say, though. Only if, he, only if he did sexually assault him. Yeah, yeah. So let's let I'll even say let's go under the assumption that he did. Okay. Um, he he was and that guy even if he didn't he that guy was provoking him. He's doing he was like pushing that guy uh, Kirsten Cole's buttons. The thing that I don't like though is that he's sitting there. Well, this kind of <laughs> this is kind of funny. This goes to what a conversation me and Fraser were having before the podcast started about uh crazy people don't snap because they're crazy. <laughs> Normal people snap. Because that's the point of snapping. Yes. You can't, you know, so. If you're normal, like if you're normal and then all of a sudden you're out, you're enraged, but to a degree that scares people like, yo, you were just calm. That's called snapping. Yeah, that's, that's why snapping. it's called a snap so, because you were normal and then you're not. Go ahead. So that's what happened. He snapped. And the thing is like, he is, he put himself or he's putting his cloak on this pedestal and then he snaps and he lets his emotion and his anger overtake him. And then, like, it's not even just that, like, he beat the shit out of a guy. He beat a guy to, like, he beat the guy's head into the ground. There was and, nothing. Like, turned, like, turned his head in the suit. Like, he destroyed him. And then I remember I watched it. So then I wasn't even, at that point, I still didn't hate Kristen Cole. I was like, man, I can't fucking believe he did that. He snapped. And I, I I'm not going to say I felt bad for him, but I understood him in that moment. I didn't agree with it, but I understood him in that moment. I was like, holy shit, like, he fucking snapped. And so, like, I didn't have hate or animosity toward him. But I was also like, because at this, up until now, three episodes, I really liked Kristen Cole. And I was like, man, this kind of sucks because, like, he's going to get put to death or, like, put in prison or whatever. Yeah. He killed a guy, a royal, in, or not a royal, not a royal. He killed a guy, though. Um, he killed a noble. Uh, in broad daylight, in front of everybody. And then the next episode happens, and he's okay. Like, nothing happens. He doesn't lose his cloak. Nothing bad happens. Like, holy shit, that's crazy. And then, anyway, it goes on, and he's like, Team Allison. And then the shit that he says annoys me. And then, like, blah, blah, blah. The point that I was getting to, because we were talking about the history, is there's a point where after the king dies, and they're talking about usurping the throne, and there's one guy at the table that is like, you guys are fucking traitors. This is treason. You can't do this. And Kristen Cole walks up, grabs the back of his head, and just kind of like smacks it into the fucking and kills Sit him. Sit down, and he like forces him into a seat so hard that it kills him. Yeah, and that's another thing where like um, 
people, you know, people say like in the books, he didn't mean to kill him. And I just feel like once oh again in the show, God. like, I just don't understand the disconnect. But anyway, he has become so unhinged and he's still trying to value his white cloak. And something I loved about that moment is it showed who like truly values their white cloak because he still wears it. He still pretends it's not, yep. it's, it's a pure white cloak. And that other guy takes his cloak off and he says like, you know, I recognize no authority but the king, and like he essentially like hands over his cloak. There's no king here. Yeah, because what they're you doing guys some are doing dark, fucking dark little dealings. They're right committing now. fucking treason. They are and literally like, committing treason. For Kristen Cole to pretend just because, just because he doesn't like Rhaenyra, for him to pretend what he's doing is still honoring this cloak is fucking crazy. Kenny just made an incredible allusion to police officers in real life. Some of them wear that uniform. Some of them pretend like they are just this righteous person that does things right and like holds up justice. And then in reality, some of them are just fucking absolutely terrible human beings who should never be wearing that uniform and are shit people like Kristen Cole. Kristen Cole is a shit person. I'm going to give you some examples of how he's a shit person. So when episode six happens after Alicent calls for a Rhaenyra's baby immediately after it's born. This is oh the my God, th- he's such a bitch. Go ahead. This is the 10 year time skip. And yeah, no, he says <sighs> she's a fucking spoiled cunt. That's what he calls her. He says yep. that to Allison, though. He says it to Allison. Allison is always talking about being righteous and all of this stuff about how, oh, we must always, you know, be there has to be good people in this realm. She says, I, I believe I always believe in like good people existing and holding up righteous laws and things like that. That's why she's so mad at Rhaenyra. As this man just called your friend or your ex-friend or whatever, or called this other woman. Let's just take it to like the most the smallest level we can, because they're not friends anymore or whatever. Let's but like this is a fellow woman of you like that you know, and she's also should be worthy of respect. He just called her a spoiled cunt. Now you know what's you know what's hilarious about that? And maybe you're about to make this point. I think it's in that same episode, right? There's a somebody else says something about women, and because now, like after this time skip, they're all about the seven. This is where like the seven, the yeah, religion yeah. of the they, seven, they, really they starts coming in. Right. And basically, Kristen Cole says to somebody else, like, "You have to treat all women like the maiden." Or this is that's whatever, a, so like, that's episode. That's actually episode nine. Episode okay. Ni- okay, so episode nine is when they plan everything after he dies, after the king okay, dies, okay. and when him and Aemon go to the Street of Silk, which is just the red light district. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Amos, like, he told me that I had to get it wet. Or that's what yep, I interpret yep. as. Yeah, and it was episode. That's when uh, hypocrite Kristen Cole says, all women should be looked at as the mother, yep. which is the, one of their gods. One of their and I remember gods. when I heard him said that, I was like, oh, really? Is that how you feel, they Kristen? Should all because... be, they should all be treated with the utmost respect. He says that, but then you know his real character is, oh, she's a spoiled cunt. So it's like, he will say one thing, but then his actions do a completely different thing. And that's the problem. Like he is the worst kind of person, but I love that he exists. He's good for the show. Yeah. Yeah. He's a he terrible person. And honestly, he also represents men who can't deal with rejection, which is a very, yes. very real thing. There are a lot of men out there who literally cannot deal with rejection. And it's fucking sad. Like, honestly, you guys are all pussies. If you've ever been rejected by a girl and your first inclination after being rejected by a woman is to go, I'm going to say horrible things about her. Like, for example, guys, we all feel uh, like shit when we get rejected girl, or getting rejected doesn't girl, feel good. Or just do something that's honestly kind of animalistic to a, to a woman as she's walking down the streets, to try to get her attention. Now people don't do this as much nowadays because we have cell phones and people just usually yeah, slide yeah. DMs. But back in the day, especially when my dad was like, 
you know, in the day before smartphones, stuff like that. When my dad was younger and I would be around him, I remember he would catcall women. That was the thing that he did. Yeah. And that's just how men, I guess, communicate to women. It's very fucking ancient now, thank God. It's fucking but cringy when guys as hell. Do that and a woman rejects them. I've heard men, now thank God my dad never did this, but I've blatantly heard men go, fuck you, bitch. I didn't want you anyway. Yep. That that's wild. Like that has always been wild to me. And the fact that like that's just a common thing that honestly, if you listen to this podcast, you've probably heard of guys. Hopefully you're not one of them, but you've probably heard of guys that have been very outrageously angry or mad at a woman for rejecting their advances. Like, bro, she's allowed to just not like you for any reason. It could be anything. You could be, you could have on white sneakers and black socks. And she's just like, I can't deal. And that's the reason why it doesn't matter. Like women are allowed to just not choose you and you have to live with that. And you don't need to call them spoiled cunts because they rejected you. Like that's just wild. So yeah, Yeah. Kristen is just terrible, but he does represent a very real problem. And and uh, I appreciate that George R. R. Martin wrote such complex characters that somehow the internet seems to think that he turned sides, but like why they don't they, like? Oh, yeah, they, it's, like, this didn't happen. He rejected nothing. her advance. You think he rejected her advance? Have you seen Rhaenyra? Rhaenyra is described yeah. in the book as also being extremely beautiful. She's called the realm's delight. She was a very comely girl, as they call I her. Think, like, I think they like, say that in the beautiful. in the show too. Um, so she looks really good in the book as well as she does in the actual show. She's like she's a beautiful girl. And he's a guy, like he's a young guy. There's nothing wrong with him, you know. I get it, like the white cloak and all that. But honestly, the whole chastity vow is a bit ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous in real time for priests. Like honestly, that whole vow to like not. There's a reason why so many priests are heinous creatures. The things they do because denying a man like the ability to pursue in any way any sexual desire is a bit fucking ridiculous, and it's just it goes against our very nature, like men need to have sex like we just it's it's a thing that's like ingrained in us naturally it's nothing wrong with it like you become a certain age you start looking at women or whatever you're into you start looking at men whatever you're into at some point you will have attraction to it and to try to literally deny yourself that in perpetuity is ridiculous and you see that those vows in real life and in fantasy have some uh some really bad yeah. effects on your mind it makes and that's that's Kristen people, in a nutshell he's a fucking it makes people cannon go insane like it's uh, you are muted I uh, a single thing you're saying hold on actually i'm not muted. You're muted okay you're not muted i muted my computer because i was getting discord notifications and i got tired of hearing them so i didn't okay. change the audio to come out okay anyway anyway so sorry, Kenny. that explains a lot because i started to feel like you couldn't hear me and i, I was just like i was like i don't think he can hear me but i was like i want to wait i was like maybe he's just making a point i'm gonna wait for a break and then we'll see. But uh, I guess you couldn't hear that. me. No, it's not a big deal. Um, but no, I mostly just agreed with pretty much everything you said. I was saying that, um, yeah, being rejected, it's normal. Everybody hates it. It doesn't feel good. Nobody enjoys being rejected. But it's not an excuse to act like a fucking asshole exactly. and, at, you know, tee off on people. So, um, right Chris Nicole, in his defense, and this is only, I'm joking when I say, I'm just going to. Say this from the start. I am joking, but yeah, yeah. anyway, in his defense, this man has had no ass for years, right? Like he he told Renera in the forest when she said, uh, "Did you ever have an opportunity to marry someone?" And like, yeah, he, he said some shit, and he was like, uh, "You know, in my young day, I definitely had my fun, 
and he kind of mm-hmm. laughs a little bit. So you know, because he's a, he's attractive. He's they said he's Dornish. Now in the, in the Game of Thrones world, when someone says he's Dornish, not only does that mean you're from Dorn, it also means you're probably good looking. Because Dornish, yeah, people all the have, Dornish people have just been attractive. And they say and... That the most beautiful women come from Dorn. Also, the most beautiful men come from Dorn. So, like in the Game of Thrones world, Dornish people are extremely beautiful. And Kristen Cole, being Dornish, he's also a good looking guy. So he's ran through some women in his time, like in his heyday when he was younger. And he <laughs> says that blatantly to Rhaenyra, but he's like, uh, no, I've never, I've never been betrothed to anyone. Like I've never been blatantly told I have to marry someone. Uh, I was allowed to just do what I want. And she's like, I envy that, you know, because I was, I don't have that privilege of just choosing who I want to be with. Like I'm forced into marriages and stuff. So, yeah. but he hasn't had any ass since he became a knight years ago. And now, in perpetuity it's supposed to be like that forever so he's uptight but i'm i'm joking and saying that that's an excuse for him because i don't actually feel that way and honestly a lot of things that i say like that i hope that you guys can pick up on a sarcasm yeah it's it's weird to me though that like he so i don't i'm curious what his motivations are because to me it's not fully clear does he like like he's like heavy on the queen's side but it also feels like to me he's like using the queen as a surrogate for Rhaenyra, like, well, no, you're he, right. you're I don't right know. Two ways. Yeah, go ahead. I can actually, so, because th- to me, it feels like he's, her, she, she's a surrogate. He, on some way, he almost kind of blindly believes that maybe he has a chance for her. Like, I don't even know. Like, it, oh, okay. Well, there is that storyline too. That's, I don't, so I don't know, uh, because there's no, there's nothing about Kristen and Alicent actually being together blatantly by any legitimate source in the, in the fire and blood book mushroom might've said something crass because he says something crass about literally everyone. Um, but what I will say to you, and I'm glad you brought this up because I'll, it almost kind of slipped my mind that there's like, there's a chance that low key Allison and Kristen may have something going on. But what I was going to say is you are right in a sense that she is a surrogate to his hatred for Rhaenyra. She is a conduit yeah. for him to be able to express his disdain for this girl but also do it under the, the, the guise of I'm protecting my queen. Yeah. But also the reason why he's blindly loyal to Allison is because she saved his life. And now the same way he strongly felt about Rhaenyra before the incident in episode four, where he had sex with her and everything, the same way he felt about Rhaenyra with that, like blind knight loyalty that they have is the way he feels about Allison. He feels like he owes her everything. So the same way he yeah. said, he said to Rhaenyra, I owe you everything. I'm nothing without you. He was about to commit sepulchre in the Godswood. He was about to kill himself before she just says, Sir Kristen. And then she stopped him and the scene changed. Yeah. It's just like so, such bullshit because he is <laughs> yes. so dirty because like, even the way, like these are children, like whatever you feel about Rhaenyra's children, they are fucking children. Yeah. And even the way, like, he neglected to train them as much as he trained Allison's kids. Yep. And like, he put them in positions where Allison's kids could get the better. Like he went out of his way to like show his bias. And then like, the hate when, deep. like he was like doing very mean as an adult, like the childish shit to these children. Deep. And then the other thing that I thought was interesting is like in Allison's position is like, she's in this weird position where her two most loyal followers are fucking creeps. I think Kristen Cole is a fucking creep. I agree. And he's, you know, he's like staunchly loyal to Allison. And I don't know if anything weird will come from that, but there's that. But then you have her other staunch Laris, follower, Laris. And he is, I mean, from the gate, he was a creep. He, but he's also a planner and a thinker. And then obviously 
that had the episode where he jerked off to her feet. Um, so I want to speak on that. And I just thought it was interesting that like the two guys that like, I don't know. She's just she surrounded herself with some disgusting men and she claims to be creeps. she claim and her son is too. Aegon. The first time you see him in yeah. the time skip, he's jerking off out a window. So yeah, you brought up a really good point. And I'll, real quick, I'm, I want you to finish your I want you to finish your point, but you just said the thing about Aegon. The other thing is like for as as awful as everybody says Rhaenyra is, her children are fucking they seem to be good kids. Alice's really children are they're fucking not, horrible. They're not her, regular like, kids. For as prim and proper she she tries to be. Like, the children she raised are not that. And, like, just everything around her is, like... Something went very wrong with those kids that she had. Specifically, Allison's I'm talking about. I don't yeah. know where it went wrong. I don't know if she just was an absent mother or something. But somehow, some way, all three of her children turned out to be fucking weird. And, yes. like... I would okay. The scene with Aegon masturbating and she catches him and she doesn't address it at all. In fact, she completely deflects and says that the reason why your younger brother got teased is because of Rhaenyra's children. Even though he blatantly tells her, "We were all hazing him. It's what we do." He's afraid of dragons and he's a Targaryen. Being afraid of dragons when you're Targaryen is stupid. So yes, yeah. we all made fun of him because that's what we do. We're cousins, and I immediately resonated with that because I was like, "Yo, yep. I grew up in a house with a bunch of boy cousins, and like even." After we all got older, we all used to haze each other. That was just a thing yeah. that we do. Like little boys, we just naturally haze each other. It's a, it's just a thing. Like yes, it is a partially bullying or whatever. But like it's, it, it's fucked up. But it's life. It's what yes, it is life. And honestly, some of these fucking children these days, they might need a little uh, sarcasm. They might like, need a little bullying themselves <laughs> because they're so fucking soft. They're so, so goddamn soft. So real quick, I want to get more on these points and on Rhaenyra and the children, but I don't want you to lose the point you were about to say about the two weirdos that she has surrounded herself okay, with. So the scene with Laris Strong, where he masturbates to her feet, that came out of nowhere. And I agree, it was very surprising when it happened, but now that you and I agree that she surrounds herself with these like sycophants and also these people who are kind of like creeps, uh... I wouldn't be surprised if later on her and Kristen do like they're having sex and they probably have been having sex, but we don't know about it because the same way they just randomly showed us how she controls Laris. Like we had no idea that, that was their agreement and that wasn't you. Okay. That scene was written in a way where it wasn't random. It, mm -hmm. it, it wasn't like that was the first time. So when you're seeing it, she knew yes. exactly what it that meant. wasn't the first time they've done it. And so that's important though, because when she turns around, he's already in her room and it kind of scares her a little bit. He's just in her room and she's pouring a glass of wine. She's at the hour is late. And he says, I have something to tell you that might be of use to you. She sits down and from our viewing standpoint, without knowing what's, where this is going, she sits down and she removes her, her shoes. And to me, I was like, damn, girls had a long day. She wants to rest. Yeah, I, maybe I'm fucked up. The mo like there was something about the way the scene was shot. I was like, is this about to get weird? Like I immediately was like, this is weird. Like I wasn't okay. Like I was when she I removed was, her feet. When she removed her shoes. I'm sorry, not her feet. When she removed, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's only funny because Laris is in a room and he's a fucking clubfoot. Anyway, when she removes her shoes, when she removes her shoes, my first thing was it's strange that the camera is low key <laughs> kind of focused on that, and I was thinking that the director was a creep. I'm gonna be honest. My thought because. It's happening kind of quickly, and I'm not some. Yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. going to pretend like I'm some kind of genius, and I knew exactly where it was going. I didn't know it was yeah, going yeah. where it went, but I did take note that for I got scared. <laughs> for, for, and that's because you're you've experienced you you know you're into whatever you're into, and that's fine. Like we don't we don't whatever. What the fuck? Yeah. Listen, you're, hey, hold on. Listen. What was that? 
You've seen a lot of porn, okay? Me, me okay, no, let, let me not say it like that. We, we both, separately, we both have seen a lot of, we, we are old men at this point. We have seen- conversation got so bad i love like you have seen all right fine we have seen a lot of porn okay hold on separately yes, by the way because i don't want people to think that we just watch porn together like that's not a thing we've never watched porn together but my whole my whole thing is we've seen at our at our big age we have seen enough porn and just like hbo shows and you know we've lived right so we've seen enough to know that feet for people is a kink and we don't kink shame. We have episode 69 of our podcast. If you never listened to episode 69, oh, yeah, baby. go back and listen to episode 69 of our podcast. It's actually an episode about sex positivity. Um, and we, t- we talk about a lot of wild shit that's happened in our lives as far as sexual content goes. Anyways, when she removed her shoes, my thought was it is strange to me that the camera's focusing on it, but I still didn't think anything of it. When she put her feet up on the table though, yo, I got scared. Yep. And and I still didn't think too much of it, but then they show Laris's eyes. Yep. And he stopped talking when she asked him a question. She said, "Do these little spiders watch me?" And he said, "Uh, just like that." Yep. And that was him saying, "I'm not speaking until you do the next step." So then she reluctantly takes her socks off, and I was like, "Oh my god!" You want to talk about uncomfortable? I was so uncomfortable. It's like watching a sex scene with your with your parents in a room. I hate that shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was so uncomfortable. It's up. Oh, I was uncomfortable. And then he does what he does, and she turns away. So my point was that wasn't the first time because she knew what to do. Yep, she knew exactly what to do. And just like the scene where Viserys summoned her for sex in episode four, uh, when that, the handmaiden comes to her her room at night, it's really late. She just poured herself a glass of wine. She drank the wine. She got in bed. The handmaiden comes. She's like. The king requests your uh the king requests you right now. And Allison's like, the hour is really late. And the girl looks at Allison like, okay. And Allison's really, really annoyed. Like super annoyed. And at, at first when I saw that, I was like, dear God, please don't tell me that's where this is going. But after Rhaenyra and Damon start having their little sexual montage, it flips over to Viserys and Allison having sex. And she's just looking up at the ceiling completely uninterested, completely dull, doesn't enjoy this in a moment. So much so that I would genuinely consider that to be sexual assault because she does not I, look complicit in that. I think in season one of House of the Dragon, they have used sex narratively arguably better than almost any of the sex scenes in the original game. And, and um, a lot of original Game of Thrones, the sex was just kind of there. For HBO purposes. The, yeah, the narrative... um the narrative impact and the way they shoot the shots and the scenes progress yep. through the sex scenes yep. are done with a purpose. When they showed the the episode where, because that's the same, it's either the same episode or it was the episode before where Rhaenyra says to um, Allison that like Allison says like I'm the queen, and then Rhaenyra calls her a prisoner of the yep. castle. Yep, and it 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 goes to show like same you episode, see. By the way. Rhaenyra, she's going out and she's enjoying a bit of freedom and she's getting to choose who she has sex with and choose who she has this fun with and live her life with. And she's like having a a moment of fun and like capturing her life and capturing her freedom and enjoying life. And then in the exact same scene, you see Allison just doing her duty, being a slave, being a prisoner. And like it it just shows this dynamic and it's it's ugly. ugly. And so the sex in this episode, it it didn't feel like gratuitous sex just to show titties on screen. It I really felt like it served the story. I didn't think about it, though, 
until you said it. Like, this wasn't a thought that I had already about the sex in the show, but I never complained about the sex in the show just being HBO because when you're watching regular Game of Thrones, pretty much all of the sex is like unnecessary. Um, yeah. Especially the brothel sex. There's scenes where a guy literally shoots off on a girl's face. Littlefinger wipes it off of her face and then she kisses a new patron that just walked in. And like, it's disgusting, but it's just disgusting for the sake of being disgusting. It doesn't do anything. Those characters aren't actually characters. They're literally yeah. whore one and whore two in the credits at the end of the episode. Like, yeah. it's All just it is HBO. Like the setting. It's, not it's just the showing story. you like, oh, this is a brothel, but like, you don't need yeah. to do that to show me it's a brothel. Whereas <laughs> Rhaenyra having sex with her or almost having sex with her uncle or Rhaenyra actually having sex with her sworn Night's Guard dude is like a big fucking deal because of the the vows they take. It's a really big deal and it is also so cool because it takes him a very long time to get his armor off. Like an absurdly long time, almost at a point where as I'm watching the scene it started to become a little awkward and I was like is somebody going to come? I started to get nervous. I started yeah, to get yeah, nervous yeah, yeah, yeah. as he was stripping off. I started to get very nervous that someone was going to barge in a room or that something was going to happen where they would get caught. And I was like, dear God, how is this going to play out? But in reality, they just wanted to show how long it took. So that the way you knew he had to make a decision and he had to make a constant decision because he has so much time to change his mind and he still doesn't change his mind. He, wanted, he wanted that shit. Give you a point of view. Um, she put that young pussy on him. In D&D, uh, now D and D is obviously a game, she but it does its it does its best to try to simulate real life. The time it takes to take off armor, like to fully take off armor, is like fifteen minutes. Like to <laughs> yes. like, and just to try like uh, so. I know that's a game, but it's supposed to simulate real life. So I don't know exactly how long, but it takes a long time to take. It's not just unbuttoning your shirt and yeah. undoing your pants, like. It takes a long time that, to get that all that armor dragged. off. That scene dragged. And she helped him. And they say that with someone helping is five minutes. So there's an episode, episode uh, eight, I think it is. No, episode nine. It's actually episode nine. Episode nine when Maylee's burst through the, the floor of the dragon pit and Rainey's is on top of it. They were like, how the fuck does she get in her armor? It's like, well, more than likely somebody, you have to assume, but more than likely somebody was in the dragon pit because there is somebody in the dragon pit that uh, would have helped her to put her armor on. Uh, and when you do that, when somebody's helping you, it, it only takes like five minutes for somebody to help you do it. Now, if you're doing it by yourself, dear God, dear, yeah. actually, some armor can't even be put on by yourself. That's actually just a fact about like many True. times. Some armor literally can't, but let's just say they're in a world that's advanced enough where the armor can be put on by yourself. But realistically, she had help. And you just have to make that assumption. But Kristen, Rhaenyra actually helps him take off his armor, and it still takes long. Yes, it does. So, yeah, just incredible writing and scenes. And the things with Allison, it's just so interesting, because like you said, to go back to the Laris thing, is like, that wasn't the first time they knew the deal. This is something they've been doing. And so this is, it's like she's bought his loyalty now and like by doing these unseen acts that we haven't seen these are these are acts that arguably don't show up in the history books right like this shit is not in the book at all like this doesn't and why would it and that's that's what i think is so cool is like, how could anyone have known how could anybody have known like there's what that's not gonna be yeah yeah that's and so it's really the other thing that i thought was interesting when you think i this is like so she's the queen right um now, I think even aside from, like, people having foot fetishes or whatever like that, I think there's a, a weird argument to make that maybe 
now this guy's a whatever he is, but you could say that like maybe he's it's not even necessarily that he has a foot fetish. It's that because she's the queen, she always has all of these clothes on. You like the yes. fact that he gets to see her feet or parts of her skin that nobody else gets to see, yeah. right? Is like what is getting him off. It's not even necessarily the fact that it's her feet. It's the fact that oh, there he, are... he gets to see pieces of her skin, pieces of her body that nobody gets well, to see. What you are saying, there are think pieces about Laris uh, that people wrote about how it's not about the feet or it is about the feet. Either way, though, it's about power because yeah, yeah, yeah. Laris now has power over Allison. The fact that he makes her show something that no one else gets to see like you said because she's such a chast woman right like Mm -hmm. she's she's all about the seven gods and she's all about covering up and being this righteous woman but he brings her low and for him that is a power trip and you can already tell that he gets off to stuff like this like that is his thing yeah he does even aside from it and that's why i think that's important to bring up because there's a lot of people that are just going to haha funny meme and say like he's in the feet but i think the scene once again just like the other scenes that utilize sex it's not just about the sex. There is a story being told. Yeah. And in this scene, it's not just like, haha, funny meme. He has a foot fetish. There's more to that than just that. Like it's, there's more to like the you, layer of it, the I've power heard, of it. I've seen people say, and I thought that this was interesting because I don't know why it didn't occur to me, but like Laris getting off the feet is kind of wild because he literally has a problem with his own foot. Like he is called the yeah. club foot because one of his feet is just malformed. And it is interesting that of all the things that he could get off to, it's like specifically that. Um, but I do think at the end of the day, the more serious thing and the more realistic thing is that he just likes having power over people. He's just like any other master of whispers. They all yeah. love having, they always talk about their little spiders and stuff. He loves that. Like that's what he gets off to, honestly, at the end of the day. So he he also wants to be the only spider. So he killed the rest of them. He tells her, like, listen, there's this web. Your dad is basically at the head of it, and he's used it to benefit him on multiple occasions. They do spy on you, and uh, I think that we should eliminate it going forward. And and now, once that's eliminated, now he doesn't have any competition. It's like, well, I'm the only spy now, and that's what he wanted. And yeah, so he's all about power. He also killed his father and his brother for power as well, because now, without really saying it that much, he's the Lord of Harrenhal. He's yep. actually risen in position quite a lot. He's the second son. As you and know, almost like subtly, like it's like he, you still look at him like this weirdo creep. But you do, he but has, he's, he's a lord of a fucking castle, actually the biggest castle. So Heron, like Harrenhal, for all it is, you know, is burned to, to all shit and it's, it's terrible looking and they could say it's haunted and they say that terrible things happen to people who go to Harrenhal. But like for all of the, for all of that, it still makes you a lord. And that's a really high ranking position that he was nowhere near. Because if you think about how it works, he's the second son, right? So that means Harrenhal belonged to his father, the hand of the king, Lionel Strong. And when Lionel Strong dies, it goes to his oldest son, Harwin Strong, and all of Harwin Strong's sons, assuming yep. that he does have them. In order for it to ever become Laris's castle and for him to become the Lord of Harrenhal, they would have to die. And they do. And yep. so, yeah. He's, and, and, uh, his older brother would have to have no children, which is yes. interesting because he does have children, yes. and, and but his children knows that he has children. Yeah. And so there's a lot of really interesting inner dynamics uh, going on that I'm super excited to see how they all play out as we go forward. Yeah. The show is really phenomenal. In fact, I want to say, uh, I mean, we can continue to speak about, about the show a little bit, but I think that this is going to need to be a two part episode as well. Um, I don't yeah, think probably. That, I don't think that we can cover everything. There's a lot. I mean, dude, there's there's so many things and characters that we like. We haven't 
we've I want to talk about Michelle. I want to talk about Damon. I want to talk about the crab feeder arc. I want to talk like I want to talk we've about Carlos. Otto, like we've we mentioned Otto, like, Otto enough. We haven't really the, there's a lot to go on with Otto. Like there's there's a lot that happens. Yes. It's a very dense show. I and mean, nine hours of content, because we did one episode on episode one, but there's yeah. nine hours of content that we've we've been talking for an hour and a half. So like I do feel like this is gonna be another episode that this will be part one of our like game well how, not game of thrones but house of the dragon season one and we could do another one in like a few weeks or whatever just to kind of flesh out this even more because i do have something, a lot more to say something i'm excited to do and um i'm excited to rewatch this season at some point because yes. i episode like i think one and two i watched all the way through and i watched the the inside the episode i love the inside the episodes for game of thrones Same. i stopped doing it I, I think it was after episode two because i think episode two is when the fucking preview to the next episode was like five year time skip. We have a baby. Yes. Uh, and I was like, holy second. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. I was like, what the? F-? And, and I was, was like, pregnant. Okay. Allison was pregnant with another baby as Aegon uh, already was too. Dog. I was like, I am done with the previews. Like I, I when the episode's done, I'm going to just turn it off. Now I could just try to skip ahead, but like that's I didn't even want to. Yeah. That's a yeah. Lot I didn't even want to try. So I unfortunately haven't gotten to see any of the inside of the episode since like episode two. Oh, so I'm, I'm so excited. Oh, that's why you were surprised when I said that thing about episode seven. How yeah. They, yeah. They filmed that episode first because they didn't know each other yeah. yet and they wanted it to be awkward. Yeah. Because I've since episode two, I haven't watched any of the inside of the episode just because the fucking the whatever's the, uh, the previews. Yeah. So I'm excited to rewatch the season just because I've rewatched all of game of Thrones. It's all every time I rewatch a game of Thrones season, it always gets better except for, you know, some of them. Yeah. Um, some, some so this show work. does get better as but, you watch it. So I agree. Honestly, yeah, this, it, yeah, go ahead. This is going to be better when I rewatch it. But then on top of that, not only am I going to, not only is it going to be better when I rewatch it because of the context of the full season. And when I rewatch it, I'll see things and that'll be hype. But then I'll also be seeing the inside the episodes for the first time, having extra epiphanies that like were ob- that, that could have been obvious the first time if I just saw the inside the episodes, but I didn't. Yeah. Uh, as far as people saying that, like, again, to bring this back up, but people not feeling connected to the characters, like, first of all, if you watch 10 hours or something and you don't feel connected to the characters, I feel like that's a, that's a problem with you. Uh, that's why I think it's all posturing. I think there's a lot of internet posturing. That yeah. Happens. Cause like, I, again, I don't think that you're going to be all like crazily connected to the characters after one season of a show, but you still can connect to the characters regardless. Like, sure, I don't have some, like, super favorite hardcore Tyrion Lannister yet, because I didn't have a Tyrion Lannister. He wasn't even my... The way I feel about Tyrion now, after watching eight seasons of that show... It's not what you felt in season one. It's not what I felt after watching season one. Um, And the way I feel about, like, Jon Snow and Daenerys, who are all in season one, mind you, I didn't feel as strongly about them as I did once I got, like, four seasons. Not, Not even at the end. Like, let's just say, like, the way I feel about Daenerys in episode... In season four when she literally is burning the slave masters and slave owners and shit like that. And like freeing these cities, the way I felt about her by that point is like, Holy shit. She's like my favorite character. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that took a while to develop because I had to see her journey. You're watching these characters journey, but it's, it's the beginning of it. Like give it time, bro. Like in season one, I don't think I could like probably just Ned Stark. Like I didn't have a favorite character. Ned Ned was the main character until he died. And he was in it for nine episodes, which is, as long as it could, like, literally until the end of episode nine. So he basically was in the whole season as the, the most dominant character. He has the most screen time in season one. So, yes, Ned is a character who they also, brilliant, they wanted us to connect to Ned, right? Like, they blatantly wanted us to connect to Ned because they knew they were going to kill him. This show didn't really set up 
a character from the beginning that they developed so that he can die because one, that's not the way the story is supposed to go. And it would be stupid to just copy the exact formula of Game of Thrones. In fact, I'm glad we're talking about this now. I want to talk about this as well. I don't know if I brought it up in this podcast before, but I do agree with people who say this online. This is actually a good point about the difference between Game of Thrones and the different, like the difference between Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon and Game of Thrones. There's a lot more laughter and jokes and just kind of lightheartedness sometimes. Um, and in House of the Dragon, yeah, yeah, everything is very serious and very to the point. Have I talked about this before? Have you heard me say this? We talked, yeah, we talked about it. We did like a a random episode, and we talked about a, like a couple different topics. And then one of the topics was we briefly touched on episode three okay. of House of the Dragon. Okay, so I the- think in that episode. We we had this uh, the this discussion about how Game of Thrones is a bit more lighthearted in some in yes. some areas. So I want to say that the writers, because I, I wasn't sure if it was by design or if it was just you know maybe they didn't realize that they made it a little too serious or whatever. And I don't think it's too serious because I like it, but I get people who have this complaint. Apparently, an article came out this week that was saying we understood when we were writing the show that there's no Tyrion Lannister type of character. And we could mm. have, they blatantly say that too. Like there's no Tyrion. They say that we don't have a Tyrion for House of the Dragon. And they say we could have forced one. We, we could have blatantly made a Tyrion yeah. ca- character, but we thought that would be a disservice because one, that a Tyrion like character just did not exist. That's not that story. Like George R. R. Martin just there. He didn't write one. Like, so one, they were like, we're not going to create a character just to be like a comedic kind of smart guy in the same way that Tyrion, even if they don't make him an imp or whatever, we're not just going to make a character to be a Tyrion. We're not going to make a character to be a Tywin or whatever. We're not creating a replica of Game of Thrones because Game of Thrones did so well, because that would be a disservice to House of the Dragon. House of the Dragon yeah. has its own characters and they have their own personalities and it's its own story. And yes, it is darker, but it's a darker time. It's a, it's a it's it's also its own story. It's a, it's something that's so cool and something that I appreciate that they were brave enough to do. And it's also just once again another credit to George Double R in that he creates this big universe, this big story, this big world. But not all the stories the same story. They they don't all follow the same uh, formula. This this section of the world, this section of the story, isn't the same one that we get in A Song of Ice and Fire. And it's very smart of them and it's it's a shame to even call it smart because i just feel like it's it's just what it should be anyway you don't have to follow the trope you don't have to fit you don't have to go okay we're making a, another game of thrones season so we have to like this guy's our Tyrion, this guy's our jamie this guy yeah. like you don't have to make a tier you look like, oh, we need a john snow we gotta we, make sure we, we have a john snow up on it too though it, yeah like, and and, that's... and i think people went into it look people were like i can't wait to find out who the john snow is and who the Tyrion is and like that's not honest to what this story even is and if that did happen it would it, it could be cheesy it could just be yes. awkward now, be, like that's not to say though that there are no characters who you can draw a parallel between game of thrones and house of the dragon because there are blatantly oh, yeah. the guy's Rhaenyra name Daenerys. the guy's name is blatantly laris there's a guy in Game of Thrones with the same exact role called Varys. Like, so that's not lost on us that the name, like it's blatant with some of the characters, right? Like some of the characters are blatantly doing the exact same thing. And that's cool. History repeats itself. So that's a real thing. It just doesn't repeat itself in in a sense that you need a funny guy. Who's also super intelligent. Who's not good with swords, but he's good with his words and all that. You don't need a tear because that's not, that doesn't exist in every era and it's fine. But Tywin and Otto, they do the exact same thing. They both found a way to be handed a king 
and have their daughter end up as queen. Literally the exact same way by scheming and doing backhanded little tactics. They do the exact same thing. And at the end of it, what happens? They have their lineage on the Iron Throne when all is said and done. It's the exact same type of scheming and, and plotting and planning. But they're two. I would say Otto and Tywin are two very different characters. Yeah. That's what's cool is like even that, even when you can find the similarities in characters, it doesn't feel like to go, okay, we're going to write Tywin again. Yes. Like that's not what happened. And Varys and, that, and Varys are also very different. Varys, extremely different. They're Varys, both spies. They're both master of whispers, but they aren't the same character. And that's important. It also shows competent writing chops to be able to say, I'm going to make the same character that fills the same niche, but feels like a different character and not falling into a trope, falling into a mold. Yes, I agree hundred percent. So I'm glad that the writers, it wasn't like they missed putting a Tyrion in there or they missed adding humor and stuff like that. Even though they said that, that you know, there will be more, uh, the pay, they said the pacing going forward would be more like game of Thrones seasons two through four. So they said season one had a lot of time skips, which is honestly like my only real big complaint, like even, even episode 10, that last scene is unnecessary, whatever we talked about it, but like, it doesn't make the show bad or anything like that to me. It's just like, I just think that yeah, this yeah. is unnecessary, but the time skips are necessary, right? Like you literally can't do anything about it. And their only other option was to start the story off with having Eamon eat Lucerus, but then like, I wouldn't care if he did that because I, I don't know his mom. I don't know his dad. I don't know what he means in the context of the show. So if you start off with how the dance begins right at the action and expect me to care about the characters as they start dying, because next season they're going to start dying, right? It's about to be war. I'm not going to yeah, care who's war. We know that there's a lot of dragons and people are going to die. Damon said we have 14 and a half, three. No, we have 13 and a half, four. So like, you know that war is coming. Damon was planning for it the entire episode 10. In fact, the entire episode 10. And now that the episode has this title, The Black Queen, and episode nine was The Green Council, like these episodes. Yeah, names, yeah, yeah, yeah. You are, they, were meant to, they were meant to parallel each other. Yes, and it's supposed to be war. Like episode seven, my favorite episode, after she slashed Rhaenyra, one of the coolest scenes and one of the coolest shots is after Rhaenyra looks down at her hand and is bleeding, on Rhaenyra's side are all of her children, Corlys, Rhaenys, and like Damon. And then she looks across from her and it's, Alicent, Kristen Cole, all of Alicent's children, and you see the you see the division right there. It's mm-hmm. it's it's night and day. It's right in front of you. You can blatantly see these are the sides. Out of high towers on the side and everything. I love it. That was another thing. That scene when that when that episode ended, I was like, dog. That was another time where I was like, I can't believe she's going to get away with this because the king, the king was like, all right, this is done, and then she goes, Kristen Cole, bring like, me to eye his eye. And, I, and then the king was like, stop. And then she was like, your queen demand. And then like, Kristen Cole, like in my head, I was like, okay, you might be sworn to the queen, but that's the fucking king. What yeah, am I watching right now? I was now? wondering the same, was bro, like, what the fuck is happening? You, so was that scene, when you watched it, did you watch it with your girlfriend? Yeah, yeah, I watched it. We watched every episode together. How do y'all watch it together? I'm just curious. Just randomly. Uh, we just sync it on Discord. Okay. Anyway, so I was going to say, was it tense as fuck for you in that moment? Oh yeah! Like, did you feel the fucking tension in the moment where she said, "Kristen, bring me the eye of Lucera's Valerion"? Yeah, because like, when when that happened, when you just described about how the king was like, "Sir Kristen, stand down," and then the king's guard, the 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 head of the king's guard, the old guy, uh, I forget his name. I think it's something Harold Westerling or something like that. Gerald. Anyway, whatever his like name, that. whatever his name is, he was like, 
I'm your Kingsguard dude, whatever, like stand down. Kristen looked like he was about to do. Yeah, no, dude. The tension in the room, like in real life, was heavy. Like we, like yes, we were. I felt there was so there was tension. Tense. Okay, I want to make sure that they they that. No, scene, I'm with you. That that scene was tense, and it was just like so heavy, and I couldn't believe what I was watching because at the same time I'm watching it happen, and I'm like, if if I was the king, like this, the queen's getting beheaded. Like, yeah, I was thinking like so. I was thinking that there needs to be punishment because this looks so bad, but that's kind of what they wanted us to understand about Viserys is that he's kind of spineless. Exactly. He doesn't yeah. have a spine. And that, so that scene further, even if, even though because I guess any like, other King would have like Robert Baratheon would have put that oh, bitch in her Robert place. Robert Baratheon would have punched her in the face, closed fist. Yeah. Like, and told her, if you keep talking, I'll honor you again. This is canon. Just to be clear. I'm going to clear something up in case anybody claims I'm sexist. Let's just say it was Cersei the queen, because Cersei's the queen. Queen. If Cersei was the one who's queen of the Iron Throne at the moment, yeah. and whoever her husband was, whoever, it's weird, like, yeah, she's, to say the, but whoever her husband is, let's just say that, the same thing would have, like, if, if Cersei's significant other as she's the queen, if that happened there, where Cersei told, told people to stand down, and then, like, the king goes, no, blah, 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 take his eye, Cersei would have had him to behead it. Like, and we've already Cersei would have put Cersei, that bitch in her place. You see what Cersei did to Littlefinger in, in season two? It was like episode one, season two. Cut his throat, stop, turn around, take three paces, cover your ears. Power is power. It's one of my favorite scenes of the entire yeah, show. So, but that 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 scene, that, that room was tense. And so that was, tense. that's another moment of like the Kristen Cole thing that annoys me is like he wants to have like this super loyalty to the queen and it, it, I'm just like dog but it's corrupt like bro it she is just such asked a corrupt bring, loyalty she asked you to bring the eyeball of a child yeah like it's like come on bro that honestly when I saw that shit I said this is insane I think I said it out loud I think I said yeah. out loud because I wasn't expecting it like I literally had no idea that it was going to go there because okay the king in that scene Try to tell everyone to stop several times. He said the matter is over. Yeah. Then he, at another point, he said, "All right, everybody out. Like we're done here." He said several times that it was over, and it was never over. And so the last time when he when he told Allison, "Like it's done with, we're moving on." Their children. What would you have me do? Like he said to her, like same thing. It's so cool because that whole thing, mir- yeah, it mirrors season one of Game of Thrones when yeah. Robert Baratheon yep. got into the little scuffle with his own wife. And they were going back and forth in front of everybody. And Ned comes in. It's like, what's the matter of this? Very similar. It's the thing with Arya and Joffrey and the butcher's boy. It's the exact same thing. Children are just being children. Yeah, it might have went a little too far. Joffrey pulled out a real fucking sword. A dire wolf bit his hand. And in this case, a real knife came out. And a real knife... Yeah, but also, he head. stole a dragon. He did steal a dragon. <laughs> but, like, I really appreciate how... This show mirrored Game of Thrones in some really cool and really good ways, like that whole Robert Cersei scene where Cersei was asking for some wild shit. What about the boy or what about the dire wolf that maimed your son? Or what would you or what about the uh the little girl who like did this to your son, the the soon to be king or whatever? Like, you know what I mean? Like she wanted yeah. violence and he said, What would you have me do? Like he got angry. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? They're children. And it's, it's the same thing with Viserys and saying it to Allison. Allison, I I just never expected her character to do this. And this might be something as a, a like foreshadowing for her. I never expected Allison to take that Valyria steel dagger and slash at Rhaenyra. I just never seen that I, coming. It's something that's cool, and this this harkens back to something we talked about an hour ago. Is that you can never quite understand the way a, a mother loves their children. Yep. It it turns them. 
like the whole mother lion thing, it can turn like yep. it can turn them into a beat to protect their tribe, protect their people, protect their children. Very real. The, the fact that she saw her son, like I get it. I I don't agree with anything that happened in yes. that room from her side, and especially Kristen Cole. I, he's such a bitch. But <laughs> <laughs> but I because here's the thing: on the side of Allison, although I don't agree with the, what she ended up doing. I completely understand it, and I can't necessarily fault her. She just, her son just came back to her missing a fucking eye. Bro, and I agree with what you're saying 100% because while I was surprised that she did it, mm -mm. I'm not surprised that a mom would do it. Exactly. I was surprised that Allison Hightower did it, the character, but I would not be surprised for any mom to grab a weapon. If you came home missing your eye... My mom. <laughs> I'm not even gonna say on this podcast what my mom would Bro. do. Okay, I'm not even gonna say on this podcast what my mother would do if I came home missing a fucking eyeball. There would be Bro. hell, have no fury like a woman scorned. It would be so hell on earth. So yeah, and that's what that's what I'm saying. Like I I understand, and that's why I gotta carry on with my Kristen Cole hate train. Um, oh, it's a is that like hate train though? Like I, I don't feel as though. though like I, he's just. There are two characters he's so that I blindly want. loyal, and but to to clarify, I also still really enjoy the fact that I do still think there's some gray in his character. There is still some conflict, just like most of the characters. So complex. None of the characters are um, a coin flip. Like they're all. Yeah, none of them are just black all, or white. Like it's. Yeah. Well, I guess some of them are black or white, but like you get right, what I stop. mean. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Three strong boys, but yes, I I I, I concur. Um, the characters are very complex and it just makes the show overall really interesting that they're not all one note. I will say, I still can't understand quite what Laris is. He is loyal to no one almost like it seems like he's loyal to the queen, but then he had that one scene where he went to the dad, he went to auto high tower and he's like, uh, there's no reason why it can't benefit you too, that I know these things. Yeah, certainly. The way people, the way they said, I guess, that, you know, we don't have a Tyrion. Um, And the reason why we don't have a Tyrion is because we're being loyal to the story. And so in this story, this time does have a spy. And, like, he certainly feels similar to, like, Littlefinger and Varys. Like, he he is... a combination of two different characters, which is cool because it's a combination I just won. And, yeah, he's definitely playing the game. So I do think, whereas Kristen Cole is, like, at this point, blindly loyal to Alicent... Um, Allison's other, like, other most loyal follower, Laris, I think Laris is, like, on her side and all this other shit, but Laris doesn't have this blind loyalty to him. At the end of the day, I think that Kristen Cole is putting Allison number one, whereas Laris is still putting Laris number one. I, yep, I, I don't think I could say it better. I'm just going to let you have that entire thing. I think that what you said is literally perfect. Uh, okay, so I don't even want, because I, I already said it. We should just yeah, do yeah, another we, episode. We, on this. Yeah, we got to do a part two. Because yeah, we yeah. need to talk about Otto. We need to talk about Damon. And Otto and Damon, dude, it's great. I, I said at the beginning of this, Damon is Damon's my favorite character of season one. Damon's my favorite character. Oh, he's character. my favorite character, like, too. But it's for so we many didn't talk reasons. About him. We didn't, we talk, didn't about him talk about him. <laughs> we didn't talk about <laughs> and him. And he's our favorite character. We didn't talk about him at all. We didn't talk about Otto really at all. Um, yeah. Besides calling him like a snake. It just goes to show how much, like, how much is here there's is so much and i think that it would be a disservice to be like oh this is our review of season one and be done with it without talking about literally two of the most iconic and important characters in the show like they are so important god they fucking act down 
like Viserys, mm. Otto, and Damon. Their acting is, I cannot stress it enough. They're yeah. just on a different level. Like Otto acts with his face. My man, when he, when the king announced that he was marrying Allison, the way Otto smirked <laughs> at uh, Corliss. Do you remember that fucking snide little look yes, he gave I to do. Corliss? Yes, it I was, do. It was just a look, but the look, and then it was like a nod. It was like a smirk and then a nod. The way, oh my God, that guy's insane. So also, I, I, I got I to gotta end this somewhere, but I just got to get this out. Otto's first time on the bridge when he came to get the dragon egg back from Damon. Yeah. And Damon's dragon Caraxes came out. Dear God, not only was that scene one of the coolest fucking things I've ever seen, but when he says, sheep your fucking steel, I <laughs> yeah, lost yeah, yeah. it. Like when the Caraxes no. came out with that, that weird ass roar it has that I don't even know what to call it. It's, it sounds like a yelp, but then it's also like, it's, I guess it's a dragon roar at the same time, but it, it just sounds crazy. He was like, sheaf your fucking steel. I, oh, I love it. I love it. Another awesome part about that scene in general is like that scene that shot the bridge, the, the horizon. <laughs> yeah. It's so awesome. Cause with the first time we see it and it's Damon and Otto and then, um, Rhaenyra comes in on her dragon, and at this time she is on the side of Otto in quotes. Yeah. She's not on Otto's side, but that's the team that she's on in this yes. moment. Yes, yes, yes. And it's so cool because the next time we see this scene, Otto and Damon face to face again on the same bridge. When Rhaenyra comes out again to like put an end to the current discussion, she's now on the side of Damon. And I also just love that part because like Otto is just being so he's like keeps calling her the princess, and yeah. she's like. Like I'm the queen, and it's like, oh man, oh, this yeah, moment that, is fucking that's wild. We right talk now. About, all right, so let's end this here. Let me give a shout out to the people on our Patreon because we're going to continue this. Uh, I believe our next episode is actually going to be an exciting Yu-Gi-Oh guest, and we will be off this Sunday, so there will be no episode dropping on Monday, October 31st, Halloween. Um, we will be doing our second break of the month of October, but we do have our Patreon exclusive episode coming out for the month of October. Uh, and there will be a poll on Patreon for that. I'll put that poll together soon. Uh, so check that out guys. If you want access to exclusive content, like episodes that literally only drop on Patreon, or if you want video versions of the podcast, check out again, I'm their podcast on patreon.com. And without further ado, we have Connie, Austin, Leon, Quest, Garrett, Xavier, Hylian, TCG Automotive, Dimitri Barnes, Alexander Brissett, Vinny Casello, uh, Giovanni Avalos, Andre Reynolds, CJ, Dubkdad1, Saul at Dabbers Gaming Cafe, and also Dank Ritual. Uh, Dan Vrabel, Dennis Milburn, Joseph Marcello, First to Home, Dalis Fernares, S. Akuma, Mitchell Naus, Midwest Gaming, William Shapiro, Dimitri Safiridis, Vince Marquette, Dallas Bailey, Roz Weiss, Nick Stangle, Scott Polera, Hansel, our two-time national champion, Vincent Zen, Sarah Maria, Sunny Top Cup Podcast, Alex Ahern, Philip Campa, Jalen Haskins, uh, Arale, Melfi Slump, and Dominic Couch. Thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast. Thank, thank we really you. appreciate it. It goes a long, long way. And uh, yeah, I think that wraps up this episode. Uh, I could talk about this topic for literally the next five hours. I think Kenny could too, if yep. we had the energy and the stamina to do so. So we're just going to do another episode on House of the Dragon because it would just be unfair if we didn't. So, oh yeah, and then also to be fair, like we're going to have like dog, we got to wait a year or some shit. Is, like, yeah, years, apparently, years, apparently like, filming is going to start next year. Uh, so it means the season hey. won't even come out until 2024. So. Ugh. So yeah, we won't even get season two until 2024. So it does suck that like we have to wait a very long time for the next season. But honestly, as long as the show yeah, is do you great, take, take take the time you got to take. I take do hope, you, take. you know, obviously this is selfish, but I do hope that after season two, maybe they, they get the schedule going and like, yeah, it's I only a one they, year wait. Yeah. Like Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones was every year. 
So yeah, I would really like a every year thing eventually. Because the long, like if it's if every season takes two years, like I don't know, we, accidents we happen. Not, I might die. I was about to say like, we might not be here, but you know, hopefully, God willing, we are. And the other thing is that uh, I will say I do think that because we're about to experience a lot of dragon battles and shit like that. I imagine that this this season or these seasons going forward will be incredibly hard from a CGI standpoint, from a special effects standpoint. They're going to have probably more special effects than any Game of Thrones show has ever had and any season of Game of Thrones ever had because literally we've never seen dragons fighting dragons for real. I mean, there was the one with the Night King, but that scene, if you go back to that Long Night episode, it was so bad. Oh, it was, yeah, it was yeah, actually yeah. really bad, like really poorly done, but you see the quality they're going for at the end of episode 10, Lucerus and uh, Aemond on top of their dragons. The quality they're going for, I love that, where they were oh, flying through the storm and everything. The quality I to is say, so fucking good. That was the that was the one scene that I thought was like one of the most beautiful when they're like going through the storm and then they get above the clouds. Yep. Oh my god, that so, scene was insane. So good. So we will talk about all of this in another episode. Anyways, guys, I always say do the things that make you happy, including discussing House of the Dragon with one of your best friends. And mm. uh, we will see you in the next one. Have a good night, beautiful people. Or day. Or week. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.